Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's two things. That, by the way, Dante, I don't know how much Jamal told you about our podcast, but there's two things that we're kind of known for. Technical difficulties and talking about butts or assholes or shit. I, I don't know. Take you, food, you know, everything butts, you know. So, in other words, we're a real classy, classy. We're a real class act for sure. You talk about butts that have technical difficulties because in the gay community. You know, I don't know that we've we've specifically talked about that. But we absolutely should. There's a first time for everything. Yeah. That's, Today could know, be the first time we do that, yes. Because because we are wait, about wait, inclusion. Wait, what, what, what now? We are huh? absolutely about being all inclusive. And, you know, if, if you listen, you know that we do talk. We're very much supporters for the LGQBT or I, I probably just butchered that. <laughs> and then... Okay. If, if I may, if I, if I may, before you continue, I did not invite him on here. Knowing that we talked about butt stuff, I just invite him on here because we don't have enough. There, there's, I, I, I just, you know, inclusion for sure. But sure. Also, Dante's a great, also, also, Dante's a great guy, and it's like it's not like I'm looking for new stuff to talk about as far as butt stuff goes. Like we're looking for like inclusion, you know, like hey, what have we missed, uh, Dante, the obviously openly gay guy? No, I um I didn't tell him about that at all because uh. I guess, you know, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, no, the uh, surprise no, is for me I, because because when I, I have a conversation, we haven't got we haven't talked enough to Dante yet to find out about him and who he is as a person and as a comic. And so we haven't discussed his sex life yet. Obviously, we're only five minutes into this call. We usually go 15 minutes into a call before we start talking <laughs> start about him. And then we want to know your favorite position and all kinds of weird shit. But you know, wait, wait. Um, do, do we really? Do, do we why? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. I've met Dante's um, boyfriend before. He's all. He's a very nice guy. Very nice dude. Um, and you know, and it's funny because. I mean, as as I was inviting him on, I was like, "Have we had?" Uh, gay people on the show before because I'm trying to I was trying to like remember and think and I'm not sure if we have I don't I don't I think we've had uh, uh, allies but not actual members of that community interesting okay see, I don't think but we I, I don't think that we've ever when we honestly though Jamal when you book people we don't look at honestly we as much as we joke about it we don't literally ask people about, you know, tell us about your sex life. You know, <laughs> actually, we've had uh, we've had people who, actually, no, that's not true, because we had, um, we did have uh, Tyrone Collins' wife on. So, yeah. Well, I mean, but she's, I mean, but yeah, she's bi, but that's not like, I mean, I'm talking about like a hardcore meat and potatoes. Well, you know. I think, no, I think, but... I, th- I think from having conversations with her that she's absolutely more, uh, she identifies more as the queer community. So, which, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, but, but again, we don't, I, you know, I don't, 
when I when I do book people, I mean, it's like, hey, are we cool? Does it look like we can have a conversation? But yeah, we do talk about it from time to time, quite a bit. And I don't want my thing is I don't want them to feel like, oh, we're trying to fill in a quota. Diversity. Uh, so far. <laughs> yeah, you're no, you're not yeah, a diversity yeah, like guest. No. Actually, what, yeah, I, what we look at is I, I are I, they funny? <laughs> And are they likable? Can we talk to them and have a conversation with them? Right. When you're a diversity hire, you're, not much is expected of you. So, like, don't worry. I don't mind being a diversity hire if that's the case. <laughs> oh, and and oh, when Marianne well, said not. butt stuff, we, we were essentially uh, things that have come up. Have, have, you, have, it usually comes from um, intestinal discomfort, you know, or. Are we talking about <laughs> all things. No, we we talked. I think one time we did discuss probably, and I almost. Oh wait, we did talk about we did talk about inserting things. So yes, no, we <laughs> but it wasn't about, about sex stuff. No, no, but, but, I was going to talk about how we twice now we've talked about Anne Hayes's butthole. That apparently <laughs> was on. Oh my! Yeah. What what, what movie? It, it was it was uh, the remake of Psycho, and it was a it was. Jamal was talking about that, and then I talked about how on one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, he talked for like four weeks each week. He talked a good 10, 20 minutes about seeing her brown starfish in the movie, and he couldn't believe that they actually showed it on camera. And he legit would talk about that for 20 minutes before his co-host right. would cut him off and they would go on to other topics. Dante has the same look on his face like I had, like... What? Yeah, I'm like, wait. So is is brown starfish a, a euphemism for her anus? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is very much so. Oh, the, I, I just like there's other animals I, I, that could have been. I don't know. That's just there's nothing appealing whatsoever about like a because like starfishes are like brittle, right? I mean, yeah. are they like brittle and like it, usually if someone's uh, nether parts are brittle, that is indicative of something that is not very good. I don't think that's what they were thinking about when they when they thought of brown starfish. I think the actual physical look of a starfish versus the puckered sphincter muscle is kind of what they're going for. Balloon knot. The balloon knot. That, that's another thing they, they used to call it, the brown balloon knot, yeah. Or the winking, the brown eye, the winking eye. <laughs> There's all but, kinds of euphemisms. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, now for it was like for it was almost for like six weeks, I think. And he, like, every week, they, it became an it became a reoccurring thing on on that podcast that we talk about Anne Hesh's butthole and like any other movie that had somebody's you know sphincter muscle showing on camera. Okay, so not to come off on the wrong foot, let's, <laughs> let's come from a different direction. Too late. I Hey, welcome to It's Not About You. Um, so I know that you know Jamal, and we kind of were talking a little bit before we came on that you are a comic out of New York. Yes. So tell me, what kind of, how would you describe your comedy? Uh, my comedy, it is pretentious. I think that's the word pretentious. Nice. Um, I, I, I like that. Yeah, it's. I feel like the comedy that I'm doing now, it, it, it changed drastically. So I came back to comedy about a year ago. I, I took like a two year break to focus on my new career because I didn't want to lose it. Uh, and I wanted to make a name for myself in the field and my job. And then, you know, I realized that 
I was missing a creative outlet. And I wasn't getting that through work. So I was like, I'm coming back to comedy. And post-COVID, the comedy world was completely different. Like, now a lot of the new comics running around are, like, wannabe Joe Rogans, wannabe Chappelle's. And oh, wow. Yeah, they think that comedy is just talking about trans women and their penises and their testicles and getting high. And it's just, like... I mean, I'm just looking and I'm like, do any of you like even write? Do you have personalities? Like, are you just trying to be these people? Or are you like, why don't you talk about your lives? Why are you trying yeah. so hard to like joke about other groups of people that you don't know? Like, it's just, yeah. it's a lot of edginess and I'm just kind of like anti-edge. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm over the the whole edgy thing, personally. Yeah. Hi, Jamal. Hey, Jamal. Nice Hello. Nice to see your smiling face. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, in my experience, I see a lot of times when comics are new, that's one of the things that they try and lean towards is trying to be, well, they they will, uh, pardon the, the laugh it off or the joke it off as, oh, I'm just being edgy. You just don't get right. me. Oh, you're that's not fucking dark. funny. Right. You're just not funny. It's dark humor. Get over it. And when people are reaching to try and be funny, they they haven't found their voice, and they're trying to make fun of other people. It's like that's you know you're you're trying to imitate somebody that's not you. Right. And the reason that Chappelle can pull that off is because Chappelle is being Chappelle. He's not trying to be somebody else. He's He's like I don't. To find Fox, I am who I am. He's being himself. Okay. Yeah. Like ever. He's been in the game since I was a baby watching Half Baked. Like he's just been. Yeah. And he that's just. Have that it. prestige. Hi, Milo. Hello, this, black man. This is my, this is my husband. I don't know her husband. I don't know. What's up? This is my my better half. Aww. He's the best half. Come on. He's the best half. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so spoiled. <clears throat> I love you. Um, sorry. We're newlyweds too. So. <laughs> Ooh. We're new- we're still newlyweds. I think we're gonna say we're newlyweds for what the first year. I think so, like I think they're like the first five. I think, don't you? Nah. Nah. We get the first year. We get the first year. It hasn't even been five months. Oh. Well, congrats. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't mean to interrupt y'all. No, you're fine. No, no, you're fine, dude. You never interrupt. So, so when we're talking about like the new comics, uh-huh. and it's it's kind of the same thing. Like I remember I was talking to a booker who who books uh, a lot of different things, and one of the things she was talking about is how people on a professional show want to push back and not dress professionally. Like they want to wear ripped jeans or or sweats on stage, and well, this. So so this comic, this comic, and they're like they're like you're not them, you're not there yet. Right. When they started out, they didn't wear sweats either. They didn't wear shorts right. on stage. Like they didn't get dressed like they dress now. I'm actually guilty because um, I, so it wasn't professional shows. It was just like you know five minutes set, like whatever. And I would go and do these shows over the summer. And this summer, I just made it a goal to dress like very stereotypically gay and very skanky 
<laughs> I lost a bunch of weight recently, so I was like, let me just dress like a hoe. And I went on stage in like five inch inseam short shorts and like a tank top. Wow. And then I, I crushed my set. But then like afterwards, this comic was like, hey, did you just go on stage in shorts? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, all right, Dude. man, cool. More power to you. Like, clearly he was judging me, but I was just like, did I do something wrong? Dude, but I didn't realize. That, like, that, it's, that, it's, that, 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 it's that unwritten rule, you know. Right. But that sounds it depends, that, the, it depends on the, the show. The, the funny thing is, I've never seen Dante dress like that ever. He, like, not for nothing. If you were to go to a show, and 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 see Dante perform on stage, unless he says it out loud, you would never know that he was gay. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and, yeah. and he, I mean, and I'm not saying not to say that you hide. You're trying to hide it. I don't think you try to do that at all. I think you just focus on your act more than your outward appearance. But. You would never know that, you know, that he was. And either way, it's like, you know what? Good for him. You know what I'm saying? That he is able to... Because I know dudes that'll just... Like, the way that Dante described how he had... I know dudes that just wear it on their sleeve. They're like, I want you to know, sure. you know? Yeah. But, but, but Dante dresses like pretty much how I would dress. You know what I'm saying? Like... And not that it, not that it's a, a big deal or, or not. It was just like, I remember the first time I found out, I was like, oh, okay, good for you. Has it, has it, does, did it make him less funny? Not at all. Did it make him less likable? Not at all. Um, I know dudes that are very uh, picky about that shit. And I'm just like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not hitting on, yes, he's buying you drinks, but he's not hitting on you. Um, or, but even if he is, or is he? Say, <laughs> or is but, but 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 you know, well, okay, maybe that. But dudes are some, I, I, and I, and it's just like I'll be in a cut just looking at dudes, how they react based on what they heard on stage, or or how a person like Dante's. I, I, and let me tell you something, I've and, and I don't know Dante if you ever hang out in the village, but if you ever hang out in a village long enough, especially the west, the the east village. You see these guys and they wear it on their sleeve. You know what I'm saying? They wear it hard on their sleeve. You know is what I'm that saying? Where, where like Stonewall and stuff is? More like Sixth Avenue and where the IFC Theater is. In Chelsea? Uh, oh, no, uh, I like McDougal. Go in more, right? more, a little bit more east. I, I don't know. I don't go to Manhattan. Uh, okay, well, well, hey, fair enough. I but trust what like, you're saying. These, you, you see these dudes that, and it's not like, and again, like, it's like okay, we get it. Don't. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm trying my best to choose my words carefully, uh, but it's almost like, oh, okay, yes, we get it. You have like 15 friends deep, and 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 you're we we, we get it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I have hetero friends that are even worse than that. And it's like this is why I don't hang out with like you know 10 friends who uh, they're like, oh yes, we're gash hounds. And I'm like, okay, you don't have to. You don't have to announce it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't people fuck can our tell. Game up. <laughs> I have to interrupt this. Now I want we need to post a a map of New York with all the boroughs and all the little t- like I don't understand how big is New York because from my understanding it sounds fucking huge. But yeah. it's not that big from my understanding. The state itself is not that big. But no. the city is. The city, the city's like five cities, just like 
bunched together. Five different cities bunched together. So it's like, like so when you talk about this, like the five cities, it's the five boroughs. Yeah. Like right? Queens itself. There's, I live in Queens. Queens is huge. Queens is yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a whole county. So like in other states, there are cities within counties. Queens yeah. itself, like it, in my address, it's Queens County, New York. It sounds. It sounds like the, the Marianne. It sounds like it's probably close to like, like Ballard is, used to be a neighborhood of Seattle, but its own. It's right. its own city now. Same thing with right. Northgate and, and like you know. Right, and I understand. I understand. Soto district. That, like I know that there's like, because the population is way more dense. Yeah. And so in Washington State, we're almost like, Washington State is almost two states. Because when you go to Eastern Washington, it is yeah. entirely different politically, climate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything. everything is completely like night and day different. Mm. And so, I think I think I remember hearing something about uh, they want to separate Eastern Washington. Oh, they've, from been, Washington. they've been talking about that since. They want to call it. They want to call it Liberty. They want to call that side of the state Liberty. Oh, you you mean Racistville? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liberty, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of tongue in cheek. I, I thought that was hilarious the first time. I was like, "There's no fucking way they're gonna they're gonna ever separate from Western Washington, and they're and they're not gonna. No one's gonna vote for Liberty as being a state name. Come on now. Yeah, but you know, it's but so kind of going back to New York of like trying to figure out how like there's the different cities, um, so. There's what New York, New York. Yeah. So New York is its own area, and then there's Manhattan. There's Queens. So New York, New York is New York City, and that's made up of Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. And then there's that you know there's that child that like the parents don't pay attention to. You know, yeah, Jamal Staten Island, pretty much. Yeah, like, Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, I thought, I thought that was Pete Davidson. I thought that was Pete Davidson. Yeah. Staten Island is like that foster kid that you kind of just took in for the monthly check, and you're not spending that check on the foster child. Yeah, that sounds like Pete Davidson. Here's the sad (laughs) thing about Staten Island, though, because I drive through Staten Island maybe a couple times a week. It's like if you were if you were in Staten Island, you wouldn't think you were in New York. You would think you were in another city, maybe even another state. Yeah, very different. Yeah, but it's like. At the end of the day, when you cross that Verrazano Bridge to get into Brooklyn or the Gothels to get into New Jersey, you're in Staten Island, and Staten Island overall is just a terrible place. Yeah. Terrible. (laughs) Every. I've heard that. I've heard that. Why is Staten Island? What's so bad about it? Heavily Republican. Just heavily Republican. I'm pretty sure they still have their uh, Donald Trump signs hung up even right now. Yeah. But aside from that, it's just that and again, mind you, it, it's a very beautiful, it's it's nice. It's very nice and, and, and all that. But at the end of the day, I think it's just the people, some of the people there just ruin it. Yeah. And I hate and I hate Would you compare would you compare it to uh to Bellevue, Washington? I would compare it to Everett, Washington. Okay. And when I say Everett, just to give you an idea, uh, Dante, it's again heavily Republican, more redneck. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? More crackheads like, everywhere. <laughs> it's like it's like if, if it's like it's like Mississippi in a way. Uh, oh. Mississippi. Uh, it's like Louisiana. It's like Alabama. Uh, but but the worst part of these You're places. You're not selling Everett Washington to me very Dude. well. The only thing that's cool about Everett Washington is is the Funko Pop store is right in the middle of Everett. Oh, I thought something really dark in my head, and I was like, let me not say it. Go for no. it. <laughs> oh. but, but Staten Island, it's like whenever my fr- – I have like Puerto Rican friends that are like, I'm going to move to Staten Island. And I'm like, do you want to be hated more? Like why? Yeah, who goes out of their way to move there besides like, like I don't know, racist people? You know, but, yeah, that, that's basically what I mean. Again, Everett and Staten Island, it's it's one in the, it's literally one in the same, Marianne. Um, and and mind you, I'm not even talking about like Fife or Puyallup. I'm talking about like Staten Island could not be any more Everett than than that, if anything. Wow. Wow. Uh, the the funny thing about Staten Island too is like the town I'm from, like a very white conservative town on the Jersey Shore. And like our town, actually, there's like a Staten Island to like my town pipeline, and I'm not sure why they're all. I guess they're getting priced out, and like these people, like I didn't realize it, but like that, like Tony Soprano accent, I can't even do it. I don't know why I'm trying, but like that's actually a Staten Island like accent. It's like yeah. the Staten Islanders are moving down. I had neighbors who like they actually like protect like the crap out of me, like. They're like Staten Islanders, so I'm like, okay, you guys are cool. Like, I know, like, they have like some type of connections. I don't ask questions, but like, if anyone ever messes with me, like, you know, concrete, they call those concrete shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's dumb. But I'm like, why are all of you moving here? To t- like, why are you all moving here? It's like, I don't know. It's old people. Ooh. Yeah, like, what's appealing about it? But, yeah, they're all moving here, and I don't know who's replacing them in Staten Island. Certainly not minorities. Oh, yeah. no. No, absolutely not. We, we like to live. Oh, what right. was that? We got a follower, it sounds like. Or somebody liked the video. Oh, that was Jessica liking the video. Thanks, Jessica. Oh, hi. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Hello. Look at our video. So, interjection, Jessica, meet Dante. Dante, meet Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Hi, Dante. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Glad to be on again as a guest. Welcome back. Yes. yes thank you. Thank you. Texas? Yes. Houston, Texas. Houston. All right. What, what does your hat say? Because I'm trying to see it and it's... Fuck a duck. Fuck a duck. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Everything, every, every time something goes wrong, fuck a duck. Uh, fuck a duck. Oh, I, thought that, I, I thought that was a suggestion because I like ducks. So I think that there, did you guys ever hear that joke about um, what was it? God, I'll have to think about what the joke was. It was basically you remember the punchline, but you don't remember the setup, right? I remember the punchline. I yeah, remember. that happens to me all the time. I remember the punchline, so I have to think of how to set it up. It was when I was a kid, but it was like fuck a duck, and it was like this all this in and out about fucking a duck, fucking a duck, right. and somebody was like, "Wow, oh, that poor duck!" And he goes, "Are you kidding? I got fifteen bucks for a fucked up duck." <laughs> oh my! This is just bringing me back to like the beginning of the call when you were talking about like 
butts that have technical difficulties. I'm like, that duck's butt definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a technical difficulty for that poor duck. But for somebody sure. made 15 bucks off that fucked up duck, so that's not too bad. <laughs> Nowadays, I think it'd be more, like with inflation and everything, it'd be 50 bucks, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's how old that joke is. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think I know which joke you're talking about, too. I remember there yeah. being like a, a series of jokes that talk about There was like, yeah, just this whole series of stuff with this duck and stuff. And... <laughs> It's like the. So every time I think of fuck, fuck a duck, I, I think of that too. That's what it used to be one of my my favorite expressions. Oh, fuck a duck. <laughs> and see, every time I hear that, or even like eat ducks, I do feel very, 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 uh, like I get apprehensive about it because I love ducks. It's my favorite thing. Like I love feeding ducks, but I feel like such a piece of shit every time I'm like at a at like Chinatown. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me get a roasted duck or something. I just I cringe because it's it, it not only is it good, but it's like I feel like I'm betraying like a bit of myself. It's, it's like that it's like that scene from a Christmas story where they end up in the Chinese restaurant and they oh, serve yeah. them duck and the duck still has its head attached and they're like it's looking at me and the guy just whacks it off with a with a cleaver and takes the head away. And then I'll freak out because he does it right in front of him. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in that movie. See, Jamal doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if he would actually watch it from front to okay, end, he up, would get up. it. We are not going down this trail again. This is a... <laughs> so Dante, it's a whole thing. It's a whole, it's just, it's a whole thing. We got into this whole... Ooh, it got heated. Oh, about... yeah. That was like last year, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, Jamal and Romeo is like, fuck that, that's a white people movie. Like, and last year or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they were, they were, they were also poking the bear, too. Yeah. So. And, and again, my husband's like, no, I'm not watching, you know, stupid. Yeah. So then it, it created this whole huge argument and stuff. Yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah that's the Still haven't watched it, um, and it's not because, you know, it's it's it's, ugh, boy, I just feel like for some reason that movie doesn't speak to me. It it, it just it just doesn't. I mean, and not to say that I would never watch it. Like I could see myself, you know, with maybe, uh, one day dating a white girl and she's like, hey. Uh, my family loves this show movie, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, fuck. Okay, well, I have to you know, know. yeah, I have to." And uh, think, hey, you know what? Todd won this round, but, <laughs> but just right. like, like I don't know. Like I know, I know. One day I'll see it. It's not one of those things where I'll just be like, oh, "I'm never gonna see it." I think it'll be like my deathbed movie, but I probably won't finish because I would it's, be. Like, it's one of those you'll finally watch. You go, you know, Todd, it wasn't that bad. No, just to clarify. Never know that I saw that movie because probably midway through, I am like, um, so when here I'm ready for my last rites. Like I'm ready. For my <laughs> oh, shit. How old were you when you when you first watched it? Uh, Todd, I think that's a question for you because I've never. Oh, watched for it. me, uh, I don't. I don't know. Probably when it first came out. So I was, you know, I'm the same age as the kid in the movie. Oh. So, I mean, maybe that's why I have such an affinity for it, because 
I'm 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 like six. I'm like maybe three months younger than Peter Billingsley. So. Oh, I did not realize that if yeah. that movie was old. Yeah. It was like early '80s. So. Yeah. Mid yeah. early to mid '80s. Yeah. Have you seen it, Dante? This is just just so we're clear. A Christmas Story. That's the movie about the kid that like really wants the gun or something. Yeah, yes, that's the one. Yeah. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. That yep. movie is directly responsible for the mass shooting epidemic. <laughs> wow. You mean to tell me that there's some movie about a little white boy who like really wants a gun for Christmas? It's a BB gun. I oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that movie directly is responsible for all of it. No, just I mean, just no, no, the no, people just... who are the people who are obsessed with guns for sure. Yes, but yeah. that movie, but, no. You know, no idea with the BB gun. Yeah, but like you didn't see like a good guy with a BB gun in that movie and a bad guy with a BB gun. There was no. It just. Uh, I, I, and there kind of was though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there really was. Yeah. You have to know that this Black is Bart. an early eighties. <laughs> oh no! Okay. Well, family-oriented movie. Uh, and it, it, and it, the story itself life. takes place in like the 40s, so it's like all that kind of era type shit. Like yeah. the, oh, was it 50s? 40s, 50s. It's it was before we were born. So, um, but yeah, it, it was yeah. The the kids daydreaming about like protecting his family from the bad guys, and they're always wearing like the white and black striped shirt because they're <laughs> escaped some sort of prison and they all wear the, the Robin masks over their eyes. So you can't see their face. And, and, uh, yeah. Oh no, he's got the red rider, blah, 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 blah. We need to go. Yeah. So you're defending his well, upon him having this ima- uh, really imaginative imagination. Yeah. Um, everything. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's yeah. an older movie. And it's of course, like I, I started watching it when I was a kid. So, one of those things where you watch it as a kid, you love as an adult, too. Mm, right. See, I didn't ever watch it. My first time when I watched it, I didn't, I mean, okay, so keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't have the TV for most of my life, so um, I was probably in my 30s, late 30s before really? I thought. Really? Oh, yeah. I remember seeing it in theaters. It was, it was on TBS 24-7 for probably five years before I ever watched it. Wow. Not- yeah, and I was like, okay, they're doing this every year. Okay, maybe there's something to be said. Yeah, I was, I mean, like, my kids, I think, were, were like, 14, 13, 14 when I watched it. Okay. So I watched it as, as an adult, and there were certain things from that that I could still appreciate. Um, but I can understand where also, like, where Romeo and Jamal would be like, yeah, that's some white people shit. We wouldn't be interested. And I'm like, I can see that. Like, I can see that. You yeah, know? Like, one of those things. Like, have you ever been in a bar, Jamal, and, like, suddenly Sweet Caroline comes on? And then, like, all the white people just rage? Uh, <laughs> yes, but you know Sweet what, though? Caroline. That, that ba, is- ba, ba. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is actually a great song, and I would be along there raging with them, believe uh, it or not. Blasphemy. I- no, I love that song, and when, especially that whole. But da da da, yo, yeah, I'm all for it. Neil Diamond, you gotta yeah. love Neil Diamond. I, I love Neil. I grew up listening to Neil Diamond. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. You know. He was fucking everywhere in the '70s. You couldn't and, and like. He you know, was. Yeah. And not for nothing, uh, Dante. Every time I see that Neil Diamond on uh, on Broadway, I want to get tickets. 
<laughs> is he still performing? It's still um, it's a Broadway show now. It's about um, his music. They use his music in a, in a story. Yeah. And I am all for it. I'm like, holy shit! If yeah. I could, you know, if somebody was like, hey, I got an extra ticket to go see you, I'm like, you know, say no more. I'm there. So I, I I would imagine you also love Saving Silverman then. <laughs> uh, I every time I attempt to watch that movie, I've always fell asleep. Oh, there's Neil Diamond all over that movie. I'm surprised you haven't finished it. Okay, yeah. so I have a, pre- a personal question to ask. Dante, how old are you? Me? How yeah. old do you think I am? Oh, good God. Don't ask me to ask that because I'm going to say you're just a baby. You're uh, probably in your 30s. Oh, no, I'm 29. See? Say what? You are still a baby. What? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> probably 30. So, <clears throat> so no. it. it so for some of the things that we talk about in reference, we're talking about like, shit, we were watching that shit before you was even born. Yeah, I don't know who Neil Diamond, I'm like, what is going on here? Well, I tell you, back in the old days. Yeah. Wow. That's what I sound like already. Like, back in my days. My earth like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's don't feel bad because like that's how I feel like now when I talk about like, I don't know, like one two step or like songs that came out when I was a kid. Like, like kids, I was I used to teach and I'd be like, oh guys, Sierra dropped a new song and they're like, who's Sierra? And I'm like, what? I'm like, you guys never heard goodies? And they're like, what? And I'm like, the lady who did the the, the level up challenge over there. And they're like, oh. And it's like, you know, the lady that has always wears the wig that covers just her eyes, and you can see her. That's dress. Sia. Oh, okay. Never mind that. Yeah, that's Sierra yeah. was like, she was a pop R and B singer from like when I was a kid. She's married to Russell Wilson. Yeah. And we all know that because we're from Seattle. Oh, the football the- guy. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go sports ball. (laughs) Yay, football. Yeah, Todd doesn't do sports. I know, I can tell. (laughs) Always Star Wars nerds are not into football. Yeah. But I am. I wouldn't say not all... I wouldn't say all Star Wars fans, because I know quite a few Star Wars fans who really love football, so... Me. Well, I, I was including you in on that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I can, I do football. I can talk football and Star Wars equally. Yeah, you know, I I, I absolutely I yeah, and I I very much love my football, and I... it took me a long time to get there, but um, <laughs> took me a long time to get there, but now I, I very much enjoy it. Yeah, and... a, a few years ago, I was at a convention. It was in a hotel. And on Sunday, when everything was starting to shut down, it was it was a couple hours before the end of the convention, and there was a bunch of guys watching the game in the bar. And it was, someone walked by dressed as a Ninja Turtle, another person walked by dressed as a Jedi, and all these costumes were walking by. And the guy goes, "Wow, a bunch of nerds!" I go, "Yeah, this coming from the guy who has was it Wilson on the back of your jersey? You're not Russell Wilson. Who the fuck are you kidding?" He goes, that's not, that's not the same thing. It totally is the same thing. You're a fan of him. That guy's a fan of Iron Man, and that guy's clearly a Spider-Man fan. I don't see any difference. The only difference no. is, is the, 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 the number on the jersey. That one, you know, happens to be a Jedi. The only difference, 
The only difference is, is that Todd, back in when we were back in seventh and eighth grade, yeah. if you went to school dressed as a Ninja Turtle or Spider Man, you got stuffed in a locker or got a swirly in the toilet. Yeah. Versus they went or, to school wearing or a shoved in a garbage can. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't. So. <laughs> yeah. That's Wait, yeah. Actually, do that? Like, did people actually give swirlies? Yes. 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 It's that, sticking your head I, in a dirty toilet and hitting flush. Yeah. What kind of sociopath would do that? Like, do you not have empathy for other humans? Oh, this was the, look, the 70s look, and 80s, man. People yeah, didn't do that school, shit back then. I went to school with these guys. These guys got in trouble because what did they do? What didn't they do? What's it? They, they, uh, they duct taped his butt because he was hairy. And so when they had to tear, you know, they when they tore the duct tape off, it took all the hair. It was very painful for the kid. Yeah. They well, first of all, there was a hairy a kid with a hairy butt. It was in look. There was in it was in like high school. Oh so. well, even still, that's one that's off. Two, was it? That's kind of gay. Like they like taped a boy's butt to like that's that just sounds like stuff that goes on and like like. The evil. This okay, is not. We, yeah. You gotta what? understand. You gotta understand. Where were the parents? We grew up where I grew up, not Todd. My, so Todd is my cousin. We're first cousins. Him. I grew That's up in the suburbs. And she grew up. She grew up in this uh, in the country. I, Todd grew oh up no, in you're Todd. Country. I'm Todd. I, so oh. Todd is that's cousin Todd. And okay. he's called cousin Todd because he's my first cousin. We're yep. actual. Our moms were sisters. Yep. Okay. I grew up. 40 miles from the nearest town, no running water, indoor plumbing, or electricity. Like, backwoods legit. We had to haul water from the well to to boil on the wood stove to cook dinner or clean or bathe or anything like that. So, we and, we, and I had to drive right on a bus 40 miles. It took over an hour to get to school every day. So, we had some backwoods hillbillies and then we also had a bunch of cowboys and we had all kinds of different kids that were bored we didn't a lot of them didn't have tv they're fucking bored they did shit like cow tipping was was yeah that was, oh, pretty yeah. That was, was i don't th- i don't think he knows what cow tipping is with the look so on his face actually, i thought that was just like a joke in cartoons people actually like ran up and like pushed yes. cows yes yep. yes they yeah. did what what fun does that? I don't know. I, I, when you don't I, have an iPad or a cell phone to to play video games on, you didn't even have a television. <laughs> right. I just played tag with my friends. Like, what is going? Oh, we I, did a lot of that too. We did that too, but you know, when you're when you're done doing that and the cows are out in the field, you know, hey. You need adrenaline. So some of the things, like what we would do, is we had a field that we used to have to go through. That we used <laughs> oh yeah. To that had a really mean bull. I mean, this bull was mean as hell. I remember this story. And so what we would do is we'd have to draw straws. My my older brother, myself, and the other two guys, kids that we used to play with, we'd draw straws, and whoever got the short straw had to distract the bull while the other three made it across the cattle guard. And you used mm-hmm. to have to distract the bull by smacking it and then running for dear life and, like, dive into the creek mm-hmm. and slide underneath the fence. <laughs> Basically, a a rodeo clown. Yeah, I'm like, it's giving that. What do they call that thing in Spain where you have like the the guy with the oh yeah the red flag yeah. like Toro Toro that thing yeah 
uh, where were your parents like did they we did some them? crazy shits when we were kids because we were you know we didn't have things like televisions to watch we didn't yeah. have a neighbor that was a kid that we could play with that was two blocks away our friends were two miles away so yeah. for us to go walk to go see our friends and we didn't have telephones to call to see if they were home mm-hmm. you know we had to walk and find out okay i i live like the 80s this sounds like like the 1800s this was the late 70s early 80s yeah and they also they they legit lived on the top of a mountain as well he's trying to add something with that no, I was saying uh, the seventies. I'm pretty sure phones and TVs existed. So was it just like like a poverty thing? No, there w- it was a, a backwoods thing. There wasn't any living phones. in the mountains. There, there wasn't any phones up there. There wasn't any electric up there. There wasn't enough houses. There was one phone. Actually, we did have a phone for a little while at one of the cabins that we lived in, and it was a party line. And so, if you guys haven't ever heard of a party line, you're like, "What's a party line?" Woo! You pick it up, and everybody calls. It's called. Everybody shares the same phone number. If it rings, it rings in everybody's house at the same time. So when you go to use the phone, there could be somebody like your neighbor is on the phone, and you'd have to be like, "Okay, I got to make a phone call, or I have an emergency. Oh, wow. I need to get on the phone." Yeah, huh. only they know who you were, and so you can't. You don't want to piss them off because they'll show up at your fucking house and be like, "Yeah, yeah, wow." Now, I, and I lived in the suburbs, so it was basically like. Stranger Things. We all rode our bikes around the neighborhood, and you know, you always knew where everybody was because there'd be a pile of bikes in the front yard, you know. And the the whole thing about coming home when the lights come on—that was true. My, I, I remember that. You know, um, you know, if you weren't home when the lights went on, you got in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah, that was me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have lights come on. I gotta run home. And we didn't have street lights. <laughs> or, there was, and there was always that one kid who had the mom that you could hear clear across the neighborhood when she called for them. Yeah, that was my mom. Yeah, that wasn't my mom. My mom didn't yell like that. But oh, when I got home, did. I would get screamed at. So. <laughs> I only met one person who could loud, yell louder than my mom, and that was my Uncle John. My Uncle John would yell so loud, I swear to God, birds would stop flying. <sighs> Yeah, your your mom when yeah when she yelled that was that was terrifying. <laughs> oh my god, your husband cooks for you? Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh, let me tell you something. He doesn't just cook for me. Let me tell you something. This is why one he's, of the reasons why he's I'm domesticated. Mm. He does everything. So, very domesticated. He he does all my laundry, wash, dries, folds, and puts away. Mm-hmm. He does all the cleaning and the cooking, and. Yes, he's my house hubby. He's a he's a uh, disabled vet, so he's he's retired. So ah okay. So yes, he gets to do all the cooking, and I go. Mama goes and goes. He, so here's our terms. It started during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and um, uh, he used to be a casino dealer, a card dealer, mm-hmm. and. Of course, when the pandemic hit, all the casinos shut down. And so, I, and the work that I do, I'm a safety professional, so my work never stops. And I came home from work one day, and he was sitting there watching TV. And I was like, look, I expect when I've been come home after <laughs> a hard day, being out there all day, I expect there to be a hot meal waiting on this table for me. You understand me, house bitch? And he, <laughs> he looked so at me you? and he went, he looked at me and he went, oh. I have a title. 
Oh, wait, you said that to him. She said, said that, that to him, yeah. 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 Oh. And he told me, he's like, I have a title. <laughs> so he calls me Sugar Mama. <laughs> so I'm, I'm his Sugar Mama because I go and work and, and pay all the bills. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. He's a homemaker. Oh, he yeah. is. Oh, my we God. like this. It is 2022, and we need more male homemakers to fight right? masculinity. Right? Oh, I, I have I totally agree with that. Like, I have no problem going to work every day. And he has, you know, he has his his disability come in. But, you know, I told him last year, I said, you know, because he got his, his, it's something that not everybody understands. His rating got up to like 60%. And I said, guess what, baby? You're retired. You don't have to go back to work. Your job is going to the doctors every week when you need to. And and because he has like a lot of things that he has to deal with. just from the injuries that he had in the military. And so right. uh, I said, you stay on top of that. And I don't care. So if, if he works for two hours a day, you know, like I make sure that I call him before I leave work. Cause it takes about an hour and a half. So that way he can be like, Oh shit, I need to hurry up and go <laughs> like clean up real quick. And next thing I got the kitchen going and make it look like, Ooh, baby, I worked my ass off. Uh. Today is is his thing that he did. And I, oh my god, I, this you wonder why I love this man so much. I'm so fucking spoiled. Um, <laughs> I said, baby, I have a, a potluck for work tomorrow, and I I'm take and then we're doing breakfast. And so I said, um, I, I need like 40 pancakes. <laughs> I got home and he had already finished cooking all the pancakes. By the way, he makes the world's best pancakes. He, this is oh. all hot. This all sounds very hot. Oh. I'm spoiled rotten. I'm just talking about how spoiled I am. My so the cleaning situation in my relationship is weird because like I I don't clean often, but when I do, I clean. I'm yeah. just like like I take a broom and I sweep at like the edge, like the where the wall meets the floor and get like the dirt from out of there. Holding yep. thing. And my boyfriend, he cleans. But, like, he also has a degree in microbiology. So mm. his cleaning, like, I'll use paper towels sometimes. And he will use, like, this, like, blue paper to dry the dishes. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And he's like, oh, well, this is sterile. And I'm like, and, like, it's like it, he cleans from the standpoint of a microbiologist. So he's like, yes, like, I need to desanitize or I need to sanitize this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. But it's still dirty. You just sanitized it, but it's still dirty. And it's it's just like really the things that you have to do to make a relationship work, you know? Right? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> I came in from a non well, non relationship to I'm such a free bird. I let cats on the counters. I know, I know. I wash my dishes though. And to a man that's a germaphobe, and uh, yeah, mm. that make it work. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm leaning more towards being a germaphobe nowadays. Yeah. Like I think the older I get, the more of a germaphobe I become. Mm. It's true. That is true. Well, even before COVID, I was I was already kind of leaning towards being a germaphobe. Mm-hmm. COVID just pushed me right over the edge, like hardcore. Yeah. So we were talking, baby, about how you're my house bitch, <laughs> and how you love you love the title. I do love the title. 
Marianne, oh, you, 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 you should... work. I'm staying at home, goddammit, and watching TV. <laughs> Marianne, you should get him a uniform to wear. Oh, I told her that's all I wanted for Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get like, oh, like a work shirt that just says Romeo right here. Does he die? Does I told her, I said, all I want for Christmas is an apron, goddammit, that says kiss the cook or fuck you, I'm cooking. Anything. <laughs> just give me an apron. I'm good. <laughs> I don't mind being at home and taking care of my wife. She goes and makes money and takes care of me. Brought me a nice Lexus, this big, beautiful fucking house. Ooh. Alexis. Bought him a Lexus. Bought me a boat. <laughs> Her. Mm-hmm. This is what we like to see in 2022. Mm-hmm. House bitch, if that's the title, goddammit, I'm the king of house bitches, okay? Then you have to have the season slap your mama, right? Yeah, well, so, and occasionally, I'll come home and say, come on, baby, we had to go shopping. I said, you need to go buy something pretty look good for mama. <laughs> I'll go I buy think, him jewelry. I think I'll look good in this Lexus. And she's like, okay. <laughs> but that sounds really nice. Like, that sounds like a nice... I mean, I, I personally couldn't do it because I'm just chaos. So, like, I need to be out, like, feeling like I'm doing, like, big things. Mm. But, like, one day I do want to just, like cook and clean and then like just like kind of be home and I don't know eventually but like after I've just done everything what it is is is, you know our entire lives we we grew up and this is from our generation because we were from the 60s and and, and, 70s 70s and some of the 80s you know what I'm saying Yeah. we were growing up where the man went out and worked the woman stayed at home you know what I'm saying and I'm like the, the, the universe is changing on so many levels. Yeah. I don't mind being at home and taking care of my house. And, my man. And, and, and yeah. you know, my wife wants to go out and make money. You go right ahead. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I've done, I've, I've, I've had two jobs my entire life until I hit 45. And then I got one job. I had one job. And then I, and then I was like, fuck this. After, after that last job, I was like, I'm done working. Right. I'm done. My wife told me I can retire. She told me I can retire because I was working. Right. But I'm but I'm a disabled vet, and I was always working. I was trying to make my doctor's appointments and everything. Right. And so she was like, when they see my, she saw my rating go up. She's like, holy shit, your rating's gone up. And at the time, what happened was, I, I had just quit <laughs> a job to go to another job. But when when I got to the new job I was supposed to start at. They told me that I didn't have a job there because they had new management come in and he put a hiring freeze on. Oh. I was like, okay. So um, they was like, so we'll just hold off and we'll, we're going to see um, when they start hiring people, you'll be the first person we pick up. I'm like, okay, this was in the October. Right. So November rolls around. They, they still ain't picking nobody up. December rolls around. They still ain't picking nobody up. I'm like, what the fuck? So... And I'm calling every week. I'm going there every. I'm going there every week, and I'm calling every two weeks, right? So finally, um, my rating goes up. My wife looks at my rating. And she goes, "You ain't got to work no more. I got you." And I'm like, "Cool." So I just didn't go back to work, and that's how I got retired. You know, and it's it's weird though, is is because. I've never been the kind of person, like you said, I'm not the kind of person. I've had to when my kids were younger. There was times that I didn't work, and I hated it. I hated not working. Um, 
I am, I'm very, somebody who's very driven and I'm very fulfilled to work. Right, right. And so for me to have a partner who is able to do things here at home and do things for us that we need to do, like handle, you know, pay the bills and the finances, go to the store and and do things like that. My God, that that frees me up so much to be able to do what I do. I have a very, very demanding job. And so to be able to have that dynamic is something like I was single for seven years before I met him. And I was happy to be single for the rest of my life. I figured I would be. And then I met him. And not only, you know, we complement each other so much that not just like uh, domestically, but he's also a comedian too. That's how we met is that he does stand up. So, and he's hands down like the funniest person I know. He, he, he kills yeah. me. He yeah. says yeah. shit to me that, yeah. he will say shit to me that anybody else. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. 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 Of course. You know, he's, he's right up there with you know, Jamal. You know, as far as funny people we know. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's not funnier than Jamal. <clears throat> Sorry, it's 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 Jamal, are you like good? Eighteen degrees up here. <clears throat> Got a little sore throat there. <clears throat> no, Jamal he ain't on screen. He might be I don't know what he might be he might he might be uh he might be looking at uh black gingers again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta watch him on that. I'm watching. Yeah, we we all discovered that was an an, an actual thing. Black gingers, yeah. Okay, like, you good? Black kiss. folks with actual like red hair. Right. Not like not yeah, like uh, dyed or anything. I feel like that's something that like you know like when you realize it exists, you're like, oh well, yeah. I mean, I can imagine it exists, but you never think about it, right? Like. <laughs> Like there was an episode of It's Sunny in Philadelphia, and like the the gang was like hiding in a closet for the entire episode, and there are these like there's this country accent family like arguing, and it was like, getting really like crazy and like violent, and then like in the end when they snuck out of the closet, the family was Asian, and you're just like, huh. and you're just like, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess that could exist, but you just never think about it until you actually see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- actually, there was a there was a comedian in the early '90s. I don't remember the dude's name, but he was in a few movies too. But he had like a he had an Elvis style haircut, so it was like a pompadour and everything. But he sounded like he was like from the deep south, but he was Korean. So when he when you first meet him, you're like, oh, okay, he's a Korean dude. And then he right. starts talking, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. In fact, I. I think he was in one of the the final uh, Revenge of the Nerd movies. One of the ones that came on TV was like a straight to TV thing. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Revenge of the Nerd, Dante? Ah, God, it, we're so old. Revenge of the Nerds is a 1984 film about some kids going to college for the first time, and they were. The stereotypical nerd with the button-up shirt, tie, glasses with a tape down the middle, and they kind of, you know they talk like dorks, you know. Yeah. They're always talking about math and everything, and they go to the college. The college is run by all the jocks, and yeah, there's it's a whole thing. It's a very problematic yeah. movie though, because there's lots of essay and and other shit going on. So. Oh no. Yeah. So you have to understand that this was back in the days before when nerds were. Not cool. They were yeah. not at all cool. Yeah. 
So you were kind of rooting for him, even though he was pretending to be somebody else while he had sex with her. And it was like, I, I, I watched it in the last couple of years. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is this was one of my favorite movies and I really can't watch it anymore. Yeah, it's like, but that's, it's natural. Like, I don't look back at myself in, like, 2009 and think, oh, yeah, that humor was totally acceptable. Like, so it's natural to, like, look at how things were in the context of, like, where we were and understand that, like, that's what was revolutionary or funny at the time. Yeah. That's one of the things they have with comedy right now. Like, all these people are, like, everything is so PC, everything, everyone gets so offended. And, like, people are literally trying to bring comedy back to, like, the 80s, to, like, Delirious, like, Eddie Murphy or whatever that's called. Yeah. And and it's, like, guys, like, it it was, for its time, it was revolutionary, but, like, now we're in a different place. Right, like, you say the things that were said in that special about gay people, just ask the baby. You're done. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we have power now. Like back then, it was like you know the AIDS crisis was just happening, and it we didn't just know what starting was causing it. At that Reagan point. didn't care, didn't want to help, mm-hmm. you know. And people were just like, "Oh, suffer. That's what you get for you know, whatever disobeying God." And fast forward now, like there's gay marriage, there's like gay activism, there's like a whole system, there's gay politicians, like you you do that you're you're done because it's just at the mm-hmm. time it was fine because what were gay people gonna do like Did we didn't it? have like the aids epidemic really jump-started like a lot of gay activism like yes it from stonewall and stonewall was a riot like it was people throwing bricks and like there was some organizing but like once the aids crisis hit like the organizing went up and up and you know it just it's I don't know. People need to just stop living in the past, and we need to make what's funny now in the current current climate that we're right. in. Right. And that's just it, though, is that there's people that are opposed to change. Right. However, they need to understand that, you know, it's not still funny because I, I don't know if, if it was ever funny. I watch a lot of Deaf Comedy Jam. Like, mm-hmm. I'll watch... Uh, reruns and stuff and my husband will sit will watch them and some of them he's laughing and i'm like wow this is so ouch wow they were so yeah like yeah especially during like the aids the time of aids and and just some of the shit that the comics would say and i'm like you know it's amazing to me to see it and it's good to see this though it's good to go back and look at things like this because it does remind us how far we've come. Right. And when we go, you know, things haven't really changed. You go, really? Watch something from the 80s. And right. and find out, like, like, one of the movies, one of my favorite movies that I love, have loved forever, and we've talked about several times on here, um, Blazing, Sa- Blazing uh, Saddles. Right. Which my husband won't watch. He's never seen it mm. from beginning to end. Never seen it. Right. And he's only seen parts of it. But he hasn't seen a good representation of what the movie is really about. Right. And, and I can understand if you're only seeing snippets of it where you can see that it's very offensive. Unless you watch the, the whole movie the throughout. Whole thing, yeah. Right. And you see how it's taking up offensive subjects and they're making fun of that. They're making fun of people who actually believe that those yes. offensive things. Right. And so it's more of tongue in cheek. And 
that's what was so beautiful about that humor, mm-hmm. especially in that time frame. Right. But if you look at a lot of other things that were at that time frame, things that you look back on at the time, you go, wow, that is so, like, All in the Family. You would never see All in the Family right. done today. You wouldn't see it as as a new show. Oh, it would get it would get so canceled after the first like two episodes. It'd be done. Not even the two episodes. It wouldn't get even halfway through the first episode before it get pulled. Yeah, halfway through the first episode, they would have a riot on their hands because of just how offensive it is now. But you look at that, and you know the importance of that on our culture is that we look at things and we can see how when when groups get together and they they stand together and they have a voice. Right. And they use that voice that change does happen. Right. And it might take some time, but you do see those monumental changes that yeah. you realize that, you know, that maybe you wonder, you know, maybe the people, all the people are still the same. They still find that stuff fun, funny. Right. But it's not being broadcasted. And so maybe you're weeding out the newer audience that's coming in and not tainting their little minds as they grow older. Yeah, I think another thing too, people, especially today, refuse to admit that comedy does sway public opinion. Like comedy oh, does have oh, an definitely. impact on public opinion. And I think especially when you look at like Chappelle, like when he won't stop talking about like trans women and stuff like that, like there's been a lot of laws, especially if you look at like Florida recently, and we can't directly correlate these things to you know, a Dave Chappelle comedy special, but like when the butt of a lot of your jokes is like trans women and how they're not real and impossible pussy, quote unquote, and all that stuff, you're kind of putting out this idea of like, yeah, they're like a joke. They're not human. They're whatever. And and we have all these laws, like, like in Florida, I'm pretty sure you can't like, I think Medicaid can't cover transitioning and stuff. Like there's there's states banning, there's like all the sports bans and stuff. There's states banning uh, kids from being able to transition until they're like 18 or whatever. And it's like there's actual policy coming down. And it's it's happening, really, it's targeting trans people, specifically trans women. I mean, you don't hear people talking crap about trans men. Right. And then you look at like all these comedians and they're just like, no, don't look at me. Like, I just said impossible pussy and, you know... You don't look at me, but, like, a lot of these comedians are very impactful. And, like, in the comic community, like, people, people, like, if you say that as a comic, like, people are like, oh, well, screw you, man. We should be able to say whatever we want. And I'm like, no, we can't. Just know that we people listen to us. Like, people like Joe Rogan and Chappelle and all those guys, like, I love Dave Chappelle, but I'm just like, yet you have influence. You're one of the greatest of our time. People look up to you, and unfortunately, they take what you have to say as it and you can't play like you can't a lot of comics want to be able to say like give critiques but then when they say something offensive that also has like a negative impact they don't want to claim that but they want to claim like the oh everything's too pc stop being so sensitive like joe rogan does that all the time and then we'll like claim these other things and be like but what do i know i'm an idiot and it's like well if you know you're an idiot just don't say it right massive platform of like millions and billions of people like you gotta you can't pick and choose i, I think i think he's saying i'm an idiot so that way he doesn't get blamed for the shit that he's saying well yeah. you, know what, you still have to take accountability and it's right. interesting that you say that dante because you know ever since civilization right. comics and people um 
like they used to have court jesters and they yeah. weren't like the the ones that the goofy walk around in a dingly fucking hat and stuff like that yeah they used to be something and, and actually it's funny because they did talk about it and we talk about like mel brooks movies and about how it was talked about in history of the world part one right how he had what did they call him <clears throat> he wasn't a, a joke he was a stand-up philosopher marianne stand-up philosopher right is what they called him Instead of being a, a jester. And one of the things that they would talk about is these people, because they had a voice and they had an audience, they could take down a king. They could actually take down an empire by making derogatory jokes and, and using them as the butt of their joke. And it would taint the, the, the populace's view of that person. And that's why somebody who was in that position was in a very, very powerful position because right. they had the way that they could either, you know, speak in, uh, and ridicule the op the opposers to that reign, or right. they could turn it on their own reign, their own king, and and cause his ruination. Mm. So this wow. was something. It goes back to our history. So for somebody to say that comics don't have a voice now now joe rogan and dave chappelle are probably the most opposite ends of the spectrum on what they believe and think and talk about but they still have a very powerful voice right. and they are being listened to and that's what's right. concerning that they they don't feel that they have to be accountable for what they're saying yeah it's like like i was saying it's like you can't it's either you're influential and you need people to listen to you or not. Cause like, you know, we're out, we're saying, you know, everyone's too PC and you know, we need to do this and that. But then at the same time, we're also saying like, Oh yeah, impossible pussy or whatever. Don't take the COVID vaccine. And then when you get like blowback for that, it's like, well, wait, I'm just a comedian. What do I know? And it's like, no, no, no. Cause you tell people everything's too PC. Like you put that out there and you want to be listened to. You can't just pick and choose when you want to be listened to or not. You know, we have to, we just, I don't know. People think that because comics are just supposed to tell jokes that they should not have to be held accountable for what they, they say. They should be held accountable. Yeah, unfortunately, you do have influence in what comedy, like my comedy set, a lot of it is about my life and people listen to what it's about and they're like, whoa, like, that's really interesting, and they leave having thought about things. At right. The, right. And so I take that responsibility, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, and some people aren't going to like it, and that's fine. Like, I go to, like, rural towns where, you know, the audience is mostly white men. They don't want to hear about my experience being gay or dealing with racism, but... But you know what? I don't know that that's necessarily true, because I think that if you are able to talk about... And both of those things are very difficult. This is something that's very difficult, is to be gay, less so in, in the 2020s than it was right. in, like, 1980, but right. it's still a struggle. And to be to be a minority and happen to deal with racism, one of those things by itself is hard enough, but to deal with both of them is so much more of a challenge. And if you can present that in a way that is got a humor to it, it lets people think. I think one of the great, and I don't know if you've ever saw this. And I, I would, I need to get a copy of this because I want to watch it again. And I think one of the most influential 
absolute hands down most influential comedy that I've ever seen in my life was Whoopi Goldberg when she did five different characters. Hmm. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even on video. It was an audio and it was absolutely fucking brilliant. She hmm. played five different characters. She played um, like a little girl. She played Fontaine, a guy, um, and she played, uh, I'm trying to remember who the different ones, the one who was a Jamaican maid. I mean, but she played all these different characters and I'm telling you, it was still to this day, I've yet to, to like what Chappelle does, it was, it's good, but it's nothing compared to what she did. When she did those five different characters, because it was so brilliantly funny right and right. yet intelligent and it made you think every single fucking character she yeah. did made you sit back and go oh my god and see things from a different perspective right. and it was like god that was amazing and some of it was like i still remember like the one was really it was it was it wasn't a a funny ending, but it was so thought provoking that at that point, I think that was probably the most influential comic comedy I've ever heard in my life. Like I grew up listening to Bill Cosby. I would sit around the record player with my brother and sister and we would listen to Bill Cosby records. Yeah. We, I remember when, when Eddie Murphy came out and how titillating it was to go, you know, someplace like, one of the neighbors who had had electricity, uh, his mom put him and his brothers out in a bus. Right. And so they had a record player out there in their bus that was converted into a bedroom off the, from the the cabin that they lived in. And we all like, we were out there like just all like, <laughs> as we're sitting there, oh my God, we were like pre-progressant teens listening to Eddie Murphy on oh, the record. God. And it was like, oh my God, this oh, is God. so amazing. You know, yeah. so I got to listen to some of these comics when they first came out, when they first hit the scene and how amazing they were. And then, um, and then as in high school is when I heard, I was probably a junior in high school when I heard Whoopi Goldberg and I was like blown away right. by comedy because it was so, I was like, that is so amazing. I love this comedy because not only does, does it make you laugh, mm -hmm. it makes you think. And it makes right. you question your own, like, oh, do I do that? You know, like it made you question, like reevaluate your belief system. Right. And I thought that was the most brilliant thing ever as somebody who, you know, I mean, even though it, it's kind of, it's, it's funny that I grew up in the deep backwoods without, you know, electricity and all that TV and all that other shit. But I still, my mom still made sure that we were educated and cultured with a lot of things too. So it, it's, so it was such a brilliant thing for me. Anyways, I, if you get a chance, Todd, you'll have to see if you can find it somewhere. That oh, that Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg does five different characters and I'll, it is. I'll see what my Google foo can come up with. It's definitely worth, worth listening to and like to see how where she came back from because that's what hit, made her hit the map and that gave her her, her world stage hmm. saying that so after saying that Dante who would you say if you were to say who influenced you the most as as a comic 
Huh, that is a really good question. Um, I don't... It's weird. Like I was telling Todd before the podcast started, my comedy career has been a little disjointed. I can't, I can't just give answers. I got to give stories. Um, I started out doing bringers in New York City. I didn't know that's what it was, but I was doing those for years. Uh, then I started kind of, you know, I was teaching at the time. So I did like, I was like, oh, well, here's a gimmick. I could be the teacher comedian. Let me purposely make all of my content about like either what I experienced teaching or just stuff about whatever. And then I stopped and took up a new job and I came back and I saw the atmosphere of comedy. Like, you know, everyone's a podcaster now. Everyone's trying to be Joe Rogan. Everyone's ju writing jokes about trans women and, the, you know, talking about their dicks, quote unquote, and whatnot. And I'm just like, this is what happened. And so I'm just like, there's no real comic to answer your question that influences me. I would say my desire to, I will say, okay, there is a comic who I, I took their class once. His name is Joe DeVito. Um, he, he tours across the country. Very funny. Um, he influenced me because he showed me how clever jokes can be. Cause a lot of comics, especially new ones, they go on stage and they're just like, yeah, so like I was watching porn and I was jerking off and then blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you're yeah. not, there's no punchline. There's no, this, you're just saying shocking stuff. And then the audience is laughing because they're just more, you know, people like you and they're dumb. But like Joe DeVito's jokes were just so like, you, it made you think and you just like, I don't know, they, they made you think and you had to be smart to get them. He told, he had some joke one time about like, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but he, I think he was complaining about how um, m like men who wear turbans get stereotyped at airports by airport security, but not babies. And he asked a question, he was like, uh, but I mean, when you think about it, who's, uh, who's ruined more flights or something like that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, because babies uh, are constantly crying. It's like, yeah, that's a really quality joke because it's not punching down. It's it's punching up. You know, we're talking about how we're, we do, people do discriminate post 9-11. There's a lot of discrimination. Yeah. Uh, and making the point, like, well, yeah, babies ruin more freight. Like, babies won't stop crying on flight. Like, it's, it was just so good. And I was like, I want to make jokes like that. I want to write jokes where you have to think. And stupid people won't get them, and they're not <laughs> easy, and they're not punching down. It's like, so I'd say that definitely, um, yeah. But mostly, it's just driven by my desire to not. I just want to start the. You know, everyone's been railing against PC culture, and everyone's too sensitive, and as a result, they're trying to swing the pendulum to let's just say whatever, say the N word, say retard, quote unquote, say whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just do it. Just say it. And I'm like, okay. Or we can actually be talented and write jokes and have good stage presence and get the audience to like you and understand what it is to be a comic. So that way you're not complaining. Cause the number one thing I see these days are people going on stage and then bombing after no one wants to hear them talk about their dick or quote right, unquote. Right. I'm like, Guys, it's a comedy show. You can laugh. God, everyone's so PC. And I'm like, you're just not no. funny. No, you yeah. just suck. You're you just not suck. funny. And, and you, get and off what, the and stage. You know 
I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what you were just saying because you're right about a lot of this stuff. Um, this is why I don't go to this is why I don't go to paid open mics anymore because yeah. this is the shit that I'm seeing. I'll go to an open mic and some you know we everybody's paying five dollars for five minutes right. to do exactly what Dante just displayed. <laughs> just no, no, and it's like what the wait fuck? Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You pay them five dollars to do five minutes? No, they pay the open mic person. Well, that's just, I think that's just a thing in New York. Because yeah, whenever it, I go to open a, mics across the country, they don't pay. But but when I bitch and moan, and that's exactly what I do, I bitch and moan about this. I'm like, what's your, well, we're doing this to cover cost. What cost? You're supposed to be the producer. It's supposed to come out of your pocket. Just like how any show that I do pretty much comes out of mine. You know what I'm saying? So I never understood that concept, but... That's the that's the one thing that really bugged me is when I would go to an open mic and I would see people paying uh, like five dollars for five minutes. And they it's paid the producer. They paid the producer. Dante, I think what you were saying was not what Jamal's saying. No, they, we are. So how no, we're saying the same thing. Here, the comics pay the producer. Yeah. So uh, let's say I'm running an open mic. I'm like, all right, my open mic's at three o'clock in whatever Lower East Side. So you come to my venue. You give me $5, I say, okay, you get five minutes. Then you go up on stage and you do five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's how they pay their light bill. <laughs> Fuck that. What makes them think they're so fucking special that I would pay them to perform my... Marianne, Marianne, here's, here's the sad part about it. There's barely anybody in these open mics. There's yeah. barely anybody. There's some ones that like I go to that I'll definitely pay for because I think they're good mics. Like Janice Massetti has a really good mic at Broadway Comedy Club. Oh yeah, I've done hers. Yeah, and she like actually helps you. She gives you like she's hysterical. She gives you like she'll like do banter while you're on the stage. She'll like help you That's with the crowd work. Awesome. So those I'll pay for. I'll go to like West Side and I'll pay. But like there's other mics where it's just comics looking at their phones or talking, and I'm just like. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh it's my terrible. god! But I think the, pants the sad... down, pants down. So I'm sorry, Jamal. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say the sad thing about it is, if you're a comic trying to work out your material, not. I mean, there's a lot of times there's nobody aside from the comedians. There's nobody in the audience. Right. There's yeah. really and it, and it, and it's not worth it. I mean, like like not for nothing. If you really think about it, and I'm gonna speak on the Seattle side, like the local 907. You could go to the local 907 on any given Monday. There's people there. You don't have to pay. When the Comedy Underground was there, you could go there. Uh, you might get bumped, but one thing is guaranteed for sure. There's an audience there. You could go to Laughs when they were doing open mics on a Wednesday night, and there'd be like 30 people there. Right. And you would Tacoma Comedy Club usually has a yeah. pack. Tacoma a Comedy Club, yeah. there's a lot of people. So, and, and, that's, and mind you, you're not paying anything. You right. go there. I mean, a lot of comics they support the club. I mean, you. The funny thing is, you don't have to tell comics there, or maybe in any other city. I, I use Seattle as an example and Tacoma. It's like you don't have to. As far as supporting the these guys, comics drink. They're gonna go. You'll see a, a line of comics having a chat in line, or waiting to get a beer and mm -hmm. all that. But nine times out of ten. It was one of my favorite things to do when I was living in Seattle was to go to an open mic because <coughs> you get to hang out with comics. You get to yep. 
it's a fellowship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and again, yeah. it's 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 I've done open mics across this country in like different different cities and whatnot, and it's pretty much the same thing. It's not comic coming out of pocket. You know, a lot of these comics, and I've said this a thousand times, some comics don't have jobs. So, and, right. and after nothing, those are kind of like the funniest ones who are just like in their house all day coming up with jokes. They don't right. have jobs. They don't, you know, support themselves. So they come to an open mic and that's kind of like their way of venting. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So to, so to come to New York, you know, being the funniest person in your town or city, um, and you have to pay like $50 a week just to get stage time, I think it's bullshit. It's, I mean, it's bullshit. It, it really is. Yeah. So, so, you know. So is, is a bringer show kind of that same level of, of, of stupid as far as, you know, the open the, mics? The, the difference with the bringer show is you're pretty much whoring yourself out to bring in people who you don't know. That's pretty much it, you know. You don't have family here, so you got to go out and talk strangers into thinking you're funny and then when you get on stage and you're not, you feel like a fraud at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've noticed, so I've done, like, I can talk Miami because I've done comedy in Miami. And that was probably my favorite place to do it because, one, like you guys are saying in Seattle, the open mics in Miami had, like, audience there. They were just there for a good time. They were just there to watch. So I was like, oh, my God, yeah. versus New York it's so oversaturated that the audience is just comics waiting to go up and do their turn. And they're, they're not concerned with what you want to like say. So it's, you're not really getting to work out material, but um, in Miami, yeah, it was like audience there. And um, what was I going to say? There's no, I didn't do one bringer. Like I was just like, Hey guys, I'm from New York. Can I like do your show? And they're like, yeah. And like the audiences were packed. No one like brought, and no one had to, they weren't like, oh, you can hop on if you can bring five people. So I don't know if like the bringer thing is just exclusive to New York and LA. Seattle, I don't know. Seattle Underground I, did bringer shows. I, well, so well, did, well, so did laughs, but um, it laughs, really hurt. laughs did it for a little while because I, even I did it. And I only had to do it once. And after that, it was like, okay, uh, come back next week or whatever. But I don't, uh, I don't like I've, I've done shows in Houston and I've never, you know, it's not like and, and not for nothing. If you're from out of town, mm -hmm. you get a lot of love because it's like, oh, you know, you're from out of town and you thought about this, you know, my room or whatever, or somebody recommended this room to you. Great. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, but again, even in Seattle, you know, whenever and, and I always use this uh, this, you know, like comparison when New York comics come to Seattle um, and and, I, and and here's a, a, a exactly this I'm pretty sure you know him uh, Dante uh, he was just texting me just now checking up on me uh, uh, Jonathan Zeigel yeah uh, Jonathan Zeigel came to Seattle one day um, off of a off of a uh, recommendation of a really good friend of ours Justin Hayes mm -hmm. um, he uh, messaged me he was like hey there's this guy from New York uh, he's looking for stage time. If you have, if you know anything that's going on, put him on. And Justin's one of my favorite people on the planet as far as comics and just good, good friends go. So usually if this guy is recommending somebody, this is something that I have to look into because Justin hates comics across the board. So <laughs> do you know Justin? Dante, do you know Justin? I don't talk to anyone in the comedy scene. Mm. 
So, but I don't think uh, he does. Um, but Thank nonetheless, uh, you know, Jonathan came to Seattle with, with his girlfriend, and um, and I was able to get him up on get him up in laughs. You know, we he he did two shows that night. We both did the shows there, and you know, they put him up before me, and I was watching him the first time I've ever seen him, and the guy crushed. I mean, it was just one of those things where I, I spoke to the manager. I was like, hey, you know, there's a guy from uh, New York, a good friend of mine. I had to pretend that, you know, I knew him. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I was like, That's you know. putting a lot out there. Well, again, Justin, you know what I'm saying? Usually when Justin puts your name out in the streets, <laughs> apparently you're doing something good. So I was like, you know what? Um, and, and not for nothing, if you're from New York, and you come all the way out to Seattle, chances are you got something. You know what I'm saying? That you, there's got to be something there. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and Dave and his wife was super nice enough to put him on, and I told him, look, if, if he's terrible, I'll take the heat. You know, no. I'll definitely take responsibility for it. But he went up on, he went up on stage, and he did a lot of cringy stuff, for, a little too, cringy stuff for Seattle, but he was, he was great. Like, they loved him at the end of the night. So... Mm. And uh, he, he did so well. They put, you know, they put him on the, the 10 o'clock show. And I felt really good about it um, because I was like, okay, thank God somebody came all the way out here to hang out for the week or so. And I was able to get him on stage. And then when I, now when I go back to New York, you know, uh, Jonathan has put me on a lot of his shows. Mm. But the one thing that I see a lot was when, Seattle people, you know, and again, I'm using this as an example, go to New York and they're trying to get on stage. They have to pay for these mics. They have to pay for stage time. And it's like, wait a minute. What about the love that we gave you when you came to, to right. Seattle? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and a lot of people, uh, those who run open mics that are, they, they, they defend it to the T. It's like, well, you know, it's different over here. Everybody wants to perform here. Uh, not really. You could be funny anywhere. Yeah. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot. I mean, not for nothing. I, there's a lot of great comedians in the Pacific Northwest that don't live in New York. They have families, right. and they still get booked in the Midwest. They still get booked like, they still get booked in comedy clubs all over the country. You don't necessarily have to live in New York. I mean, New York does give you like the jump start. It does give you a leg up, but at the end of the day, it's like you really still have to put in all that effort you would put into whatever town that you lived in. To, to be, I mean, a lot more over here. Because again, a lot of uh, New York comics, especially, you know, people on, my, on our level and down, just a crab in a bucket. We're just another comedian, right? you know, at the end of the day. Um, when I think about the comics on the Pacific Northwest, like your Gabriel Rutledge's, your, your um, like Gabriel Rutledge performs all over the country. Doesn't have to live in New York, doesn't live in LA. Chairman yeah. Pio, Brad Upton. Yeah, those guys. I mean, uh, Derek Sheens, those guys. And, and those guys are monsters. Yeah. They're, they're, they're monsters in the Pacific Northwest, okay? Like, I could bring any, and I have, actually, I've brought those guys, well, a couple of those guys to Texas before. And you know what? Crushed, loved, hey, what, you know, these guys are, are, are amazing almost anywhere they go. So, and, and sometimes I would think, like, how would it be if, like, your Derek Sheens came to New York or if Upton came to New York? Would they just be another comic? Would they, would they have a hard time trying to get into these comedy clubs? 
And I don't think they would because, I mean, in my opinion, they're well known, but they, they, they would have like a leg up versus any one of us. You know what I'm saying? Because they've been in the game for 30 years. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's very different for those guys. Yeah, but, you know, all the bookers and stuff like that know who these guys are and they book them. I mean, you know, and some of the people that they've been able to work with is, is amazing. Like, um, and I think, you know, like, where do you, it all comes down to the beauty of comedy is it comes down to where do you want it to take you? Do you want it to be like a paid hobby and you can go out and make money on it and it pays your gas money, you know, and it pays a little bit of your time to be there? Or do you want it to be something that it's a profession and how you approach that is completely different how you approach either one of those. I mean, I think that when I was started out a hundred years ago, I thought about doing it as a paid profession, but at the same time, I like to eat. Right. <laughs> and I, I like to have uh, my, my mortgage paid for, you know? And as somebody who is a single woman for a lot of years, I was a single mom, then I was a single woman for a lot of years. Um, it, you can't just like have both. You can't go learn how. I remember talking to one comic who would tell me the tricks of the trade of, you know, when you are traveling and living in your car, you go to a hotel at like nine o'clock in the morning and find the door right before the maid goes to go in there to clean it. And you grab some towels and some soap off her cart and you go in there and take a shower from in one of the dirty rooms and then dip out before anybody sees you. You know, um, <laughs> that is absolutely not for me. You right. know? Like I like to live on the edge at some time. I used to, uh, but that's not the kind of edge I want to live on. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like me. Like I try to explain to people that comedy, especially with like the uppity comics who are just like, Hmm, I'm like hot S H I T. I'm like, funny and comedy is just my hobby i am a whole like philanthropist like i i have like a job and i'm like comedy like you said if you want to be a like if you want to make it your career you have to be like full forward like you need to market yourself you need to be every day networking writing 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 every day and then in this other job that i have i'm just like I also need to be doing that stuff. I need to be networking. I need to be talking to funders. I need to be talking to media. I need to be blah, blah, blah. And when I have to look at comedy and, you know, youth engagement and philanthropy and being like a, the director of a program, and I'm like, well, which one should I focus my time on? What's going to get me more ultimately in the end? And comedy, you can be, I know, amazingly funny comics who are never going to make it. Yeah. And I'm just like, at least here in this sphere, I'm, you know walking away with knowing pretty influential people. So I'm going to focus on this. So comedy is like my side thing. And like you said, you have to decide what you want it to be. And for now, I'm like, while I'm doing this, until I do something really, really big here, this is going to be a side hobby. But I'm yep. like, it's not all bad. I'm going to do it and I'm going to get really funny. So when I'm, I've done what I needed to do here, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm done working with goddamn children. Now I'm going to go and say whatever the hell I want. And I'm going to be that comedian. Yeah. But I can't just wait and like do nothing in the meantime and then just get on stage right. and be like, come on, guys, it's comedy. Laugh. You can laugh. Come on. You don't have to hold. And, and that's just it, though, is, is that um, 
you know, there's times that it is the audience is just not feeling it. There's no energy and it's really sucky. But you know what? That's not all the time. And if you see the same comic saying the same show, come on, guys, it's funny. No, fucker, you're not funny. Right. Shut up, sit down. Let a funny comic get on stage. Right. Stop wasting their time. But, you know, um, it, it's one of those things that you, it takes a long time, like any kind of job, it takes a lot of years to hone your craft, to hone your skills, right. and to be able to be really good at it. Right. And that's just it, though, is, is that nobody, you know, you see the comics who who have been doing comedy for like five years, and then they decide that they want to, okay, I'm ready to go take on the world and go be a headliner, and I'm going to make all this money, and I'm going to move to California and Hollywood, and and right. then they come back with their tail between their legs like six months, a year later. Ugh. If you ever see them again, and, right. or they're so crushed that they never go back to the <laughs> comedy. All the comedians I know that that went to L.A. are now now in Vegas. So does that say something? Well, yeah, Vegas. Prostitution's legal. Vegas. LA, Vegas there's a lot of gatekeepers in L.A. I mean, tons of gatekeepers. So. Those who either couldn't make it or just didn't like the, I mean, a lot of people say that they don't really like the the feel of L.A. anyway. So the next biggest thing is to either move to Vegas or Austin or Dallas, one of those uh, cities uh, where comedy is more friendly and it's more where you get more opportunities. So I think, you know, but, but again, I've never really, I mean, I've been to L.A. a handful of times. I never... Every time I go there, I never think to do comedy there. I'm just like, hey, let's go to the beach and chase tail. That's, that's all LA is to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, let's just go to, let's just fuck around. You know, same, same with, you know, my, like Florida. It's like, do I want to do comedy in, you know, 80 degree weather at, you know, nine or at eight o'clock? It's like, nope, let's just go to a new beach or something. You know, like I, I would, I would much rather do that. I, and that's just me. But nonetheless, um, I would say the most refreshing thing about open mics for the most part, just kind of uh, getting back there is going to an open mic as, and I don't, again, I don't really go to too many of them, but if I'm, if I'm just looking for something to do and I go to an open mic, it's watching the one or, or, or three comics out of 25 actually do something that's very refreshing. Yes. I'm like, Oh, finally somebody gets it. Somebody, you know, this person's funny. And that's kind of how I, with all the comics that I have met in New York, the newer comics that I've met, it's usually just going to an open mic and it's just like, oh, there's somebody who I feel that I could relate to, be friends with, uh, right. is probably at my at my level of comedy. Those are the people that I would want to talk to. Um, if somebody's sitting there talking about why they can't get laid, and there's a lot of Seattle comics that do that, a lot of comics over here, I'm not interested. I'm sorry. I get laid, so we can't be friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to have you pour salt in my game, and I'm not going to have you ruin my reputation by proximity because you want to talk about your dick, but you can't get laid. I, I, I never uh, understood that logic. Yeah, so these, these, these air quotes comedians are, are, are basically incels, is what you're saying. A lot. A lot of them are. I think a lot yeah. of them are just, I mean, I've talked to, I've had conversations with comedians where when they bomb on stage, their friends tell them that they're, oh, you did great. I'm like, and I'll be the one, yes, I'll be man. that guy. Um, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. what, 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 to get better? I'm like, why are you telling, obviously this guy did not crush on, I, I sat there and I watched his entire set. 
And me and the other comedians are just back here being like, why the fuck did you wake up this morning? <laughs> like, why did you come wow. here to do what that poor excuse yeah. of a set? And then your, your, your hangers on are like, oh, my God, you were amazing. Don't, they, the you crowd, were funny. The crowd the, was just not... The crowd yeah. didn't get, but mind you, the guys that went up before you and the people that went up after you Crushed. are killing. So right. what's the what's the common denominator here? <laughs> oh, you're just awful. That's just what you it just is. You just suck at and, this. And and I would tell and and I and I've been into these situations where I'll be at laps and some guy will come off stage after just not not bombing because I mean just bombing, not giving a fuck. There's a difference between okay you had a bad set or just like bombing and I'm like you're like hey you know what I'm just gonna triple down on this you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but then you come off stage and 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 it's like okay and, and your friends are trying to be your parachute from you jumping off the ledge I'm like no let him jump okay <laughs> let him jump because that's how we learn you know what I'm saying do you think that there's been times where and I'm gonna go back to Justin Hayes where I have bombed at open mics and Justin has been nothing but vicious afterwards. It's like, oh, right? Gosh. Yeah. Like, like, dude, uh, I just, I, I yeah. just had a bad set, a, a, a five-minute set that felt like forever, and then in comes Justin, just crushing your, sp- just hey, um, so did you just not feel like doing comedy tonight? Like, what's the oh deal? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. <laughs> just destroy Ow. you. Yes. And then he, he, ass off as he's laughing at you and talk to somebody else next to you and tell them how shitty you did. He did that to me the first time I did stand up uh, 10 years ago when I was, you know, when I went I I did the the Seattle Underground and then I went to Renton afterwards and then and he was there and he goes, so uh, was that supposed to be funny? I'm like, and I was like, Ouch. thanks. You know what? Yeah. It's funny, that, it's funny that you say that, Todd, because I remember one time. Um, well, hold on, though. Hold on, Todd. There's a little bit difference for you versus any other open micer that gets up there. He knew you were my cousin. So he's seen you. Well, for, yeah. So, and, um, I, and I knew him. I had been aware yeah, of him. He, he so it wasn't you. It wasn't like he was picking on a new guy that he didn't yeah, know. Yeah, and I and I took it in stride. I'm like, thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I, he's also one of those assholes that's only an asshole to you if he likes you. Yeah, if you're friends he, with him, yeah. he will rat shit out of you. If he I, doesn't I, like you, he's you definitely a roast comic for sure. I remember, I remember one time we did an open mic at one place, and there was a comic that was just, I mean, he just bombed like crazy. And then me and uh, Justin, we drove to another open mic, and that same comic, he was there at the open mic, and he was kind of like having his chest puffed out, and Justin was like, so you're trying to bomb in two places at once? (laughs) 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 Justin was like, you're just just delivering bombs all over the place, huh? He's like, okay. Uh, And then he gets up on stage, and he just lays an egg, (laughs) and Justin and I... And again, and I felt so bad for him, but we're just like, yeah, because he, he was walking around like, yeah, you know, uh, like as if the people that saw him at this other comedy club weren't going to be at the new p- other place that we were going to. We're like, dude, we just saw you like eat a bag of dicks at this one place. What do you think is going to change tonight? Like what changed? Yeah. And in, in the half hour it took you to get from where you where we were just at to here, like, 
like, what, were you riding while driving? Because that's illegal. But it was just funny, like, Justin was, and Justin was just giving it to him. He's like, oh, so you're just going to bomb in this place too, huh? Okay, Jeez. let me go. He was like, thank And then he goes up to see where we're at as far as, like, because we didn't want to be anywhere near this guy as far <laughs> as, like, we're not going to clean up after you. Um, we would rather go before you because then, you know, we'll take the audience with us at the end of the, at the you know, at, at the end of our sets. But he goes up and Justin's like, no, no, no I, I want to see this. And we watch this guy just, just, again, bomb. And then he's looking at us for, like, Hey guys, kind of bail me out, and we're just like, no, we're just, no, this is not, this is not, we don't throw you life jackets out here. <laughs> You're on your own, bro. You're fucking on your own, bro. Mm, yeah. But but yeah, but sometimes though, you kind of need that, um, and you kind of need people to just. And again, it, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but you need somebody to just be like, uh, to be you real. Know, that, to be to real. be real for sure, yeah. And not try and fucking sugarcoat things. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Dante, I don't know a single comic who gets off stage and doesn't know that they ate a dick, right? Right. No, you know. You generally know how well you did. You know. You can feel yeah. it. Right. And so to have somebody try and placate you and, and, like, fucking lie to your face, oh, no, no, you did good, right. you did good. Like, shut up. Shut yeah. up. Don't, don't try and, and, you know. Right. You're not helping. Help me and get the funny th- Tell me about And the funny thing is, the, the funny thing is, it's always the comics that are shittier than you that's telling you that you did great. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, really? Uh, yeah, I've seen your set. <laughs> like, it, it, but, you know, if it's somebody that's been doing this for a long time, I mean, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, awful, like, you know, but it's just like, hey, here's some things that you need to work on. And, and, and sometimes that's great, too. But sometimes you just, I mean, again, the, the, and that, and you can get some truth out of that as well. But with Justin, it was like, at first it started, it really hurt when he did it. But then it was like, you know what? It's, I don't, you gotta, you gotta be tough in this, in this game. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you definitely have to be like, look, I know when I'm not, when I'm terrible, when I walk off stage and I see that look of satisfactory on the audience's face, like, thank God, somebody else. I've seen that look before. Yeah. You know? You know? It's, it's no different from climbing off a chick or maybe in your case, Dante, a dude, and just being like, oh, thank God you're done because we can't do this again. <laughs> like, I don't need There's some anymore. recovery time required. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need this kind of performance from you, you know? So it's like, it's, I, 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 I do see it. I, I, I see it. And, you know, sometimes, again, there'll be some times where comics will be like, hey, man, you know what? Better luck next time or you'll get a message. <laughs> Just don't but, fucking say anything but, to me. But just don't tell me that I did a great job. I think that it's really important to have that that comedy buddy. Like for me, it was Bill Bradford, Bill B. And oh, yeah. Bill is like in his 70s. And he's he'd been doing this since he was in his 50s. So he's been doing it for a long time. Actually, he'd been doing it longer than that. And... We would go do shows together. We would go do open mics together. And we would always travel because we had a long ways to travel. And so when we, 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 on the ride home, oh my God, we would sit there and laugh at each other if we ate a 
if we ate a shit sandwich, the other one of us, we knew that on the ride home, we were going to be talking about it. We're, and we were just laughing about, oh my God, you ate a shit sandwich so hard. <laughs> Did you see any, and, and you'd be just like, oh my God, I know. And holy shit, when this happened, oh my God, that was fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? And that's, you, you just had somebody that you had that honesty and you could laugh about it. Right. And go, okay, next time. Be like, you know, there was times, you know, I know that we've done shows together. We were like, oh my God, that was the most painful. And they, these people think that that's actually how I am as a comic. You know, that I, that, you know, that I'm not funny, you know, and it's just rough. But, but to have somebody that has that honesty and has that, you have a true friendship with them, yeah. that when you do a good job, Justin's the first one to congratulate you when you do a good job. Yeah. Right. And he's also the first one to just razz the shit out of you when, <laughs> when you do shitty. He laughs at you and is you you know and it's not in a, a, a vindictive kind of way that makes you feel bad about yourself. It makes you go, okay, yeah, I could do better. Uh, what what I what I what I like about Justin and even when I the last show that me and him did in uh, Seattle. When we had uh, Terrence Parsons on the show, I don't know if you were there for that. I remember there. that. Okay, so I wasn't there. Durin, yeah, you were. Durin, you were doing something else that night. Durin, I think my, I had a different show. Yeah, actually, I think what you did was that uh, rock, uh, rock mama. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was. So I my, my annual. Uh, I do a charity benefit, so, so it's like so a twelve-hour benefit. You, you were doing that, but. Uh, uh, but um, Romeo was on was at the show. I, I, as a matter of fact, I think he left after his set though. And um, so Justin is uh, Justin does this thing. Justin is actually featuring for me. It was my birthday show, so Justin is featuring for me. Uh, Parsons come off the stage, and and he had a, I mean he had a set. You know you know how how <laughs> Terrence is. He had, and um, so I'm on stage and I'm we're just roasting him. Like mid mid set roasting him, and he's just sitting in the back with my mom. <laughs> he's just, he was so he's mad, feeling so upset. He's just like, ah, and Justin is just laughing because. And usually, when Justin is laughing at any of your jokes, you know you're doing well. When when or if you're like your mentors are laughing, and it got so bad to a point where I mean, not bad because I, I I like Terrence. Terrence is like a little. Like a little brother, but uh, you know, I go over to him and I'm just like, "Hey, man!" He was like, "You guys did me dirty." Like, he was so upset, <laughs> but I was. He was like, "You guys did me wrong, man. I thought we were cool." I'm like, "No, we are cool. I would have never put you on my show if you weren't." You know what I'm saying? But it was one of those things where, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was like making, but I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I saw your set. That's why I'm making fun of you right now." Um, if I didn't care, I, we wouldn't be doing this. But it was, uh, you know, Justin was just laughing and, 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 and we were just having a great time. But sometimes it's just like, you know, um, it's and I keep telling him, I'm like, look, if no one is making fun of you, no, then that means we just don't like you. And just be <laughs> very glad that I was like, dude, we've, we've known each other for a very long time. And, you know, Justin, would you expect Justin to be any different? <laughs> You know, so um, and that's just it, though. It's just having that honesty 
I think that's one of the hardest things when you're doing comedy is to have somebody who can be brutally honest with you, right? But be able to say it in a in such a way that you don't feel like you don't ever want to do it again. You know, comedy's fucking hard. It is very hard. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes dedication. It takes a lot of eating shit sandwiches and then like. Num num num! It's so delicious. Here, want a bite of my shit sandwich? And finishing right. it, and then getting back out there and doing it again. I mean, how many times? How many times have you quit doing comedy? How many times have you said, "Fuck this shit! I'm not ever doing it again." Uh, every day for the last four years. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever quit per se, but there was one time where like I was finally starting to get funny and I was just like, oh yeah, I'm a bad bitch. And then I went up at like a packed room at Broadway Comedy Club and bombed the whole five minutes. Like people were talking through my set and I I had some punchline and this guy was like, what? And then like I walked off the stage and I walked outside just calmly and I went, fuck! Like just like (laughs) screamed outside. And then my friend was like, yeah, that was kind of bad, but like he was there to talk to me about it and like give me suggestions and blah blah blah. And I think yeah. that's what really helped because in my head, once I'm like I bombed, then I'm like Ugh. I'll never be like I quit, but I'll I'll be like oh man, that was horrible. I'll never forget about it. Yeah, All right. you know I think that some of the best things about bombing horribly is if you can. I think every I, I still remember, and I will never forget the show that I bombed so bad that my mouth tastes like ass for three days. Yeah. You know, like every time I was like, I can't get the taste of that shit out of my mouth. You know, but I've actually been able to write a really good bit about it. And I mean, but it's something. It if you can't say I've had a one time on stage where I ate shit so fucking bad that my mouth tastes like ass for three days, you haven't been doing comedy very long. Right. Bombing's natural at this point. Like, I, I can't say I've bombed per se in the last, like, couple of months. But, like, if I do bomb... Well, one, I I don't do entirely new sets. So I'll just mix in, like, a couple of my old jokes and have some new ones. And it's usually, like, my new ones may not do well and it's like, okay. But, like, if I bomb at this point, I'm like, okay, you win some, you lose some, even really you know pro comics bomb sometimes and that's fine but like when you like bomb like hard like like the audience was pissed it's like uh <laughs> yeah yeah there's it's, to, it's oh go ahead go ahead Dante to piggyback off what you're saying Marianne like having that support system to tell you like hey, like, this wasn't it. You know, you can do better. Like, I want to learn how to do that, like, to say that. Because, like, I've seen some comics. There's one comic, quick story. I did some shows in Philadelphia earlier in the year. And this comic shall not be named. I think they were non-binary. And they went up on stage, and their set was, like, about, like, I guess pedophilia. I think, for some reason, people still think pedophilia is funny. Um, and she, they, I don't know their gender, were on stage and they were talking about how like they pick up kids at like the playground and they're cracking up. And I have friends in the audience who are parents and they're just like stone faced. And this comic proceeds to like talk about how she quote unquote fucks kids. And she's like uh, against the wall, like there's the stage 
and they're on the stage and there's like the curtain and they like turn against the curtain and their like butt is like facing the audience and they have like their hands up and they're just like, yeah, fuck me. I fuck kids, quote unquote. And I'm looking at this and I'm just like, and then I'm sitting next to my friend who has, she's like, ah, I'm gonna beat her ass. I have a six year old boy. And I was just like, um, yeah, this isn't it. Like when one, the audience isn't laughing. Two, there's no, not that even pedophilia is funny with punchlines, but there's no punchlines. And I just wanted so badly to go up and be like, hey, that wasn't it. Like, you need to actually put in some effort. Were they but just like, trying to be edgy or some shit? Yeah. I mean, I checked out their Instagram, and a lot of their their Instagram is like memes of them making fun of liberals who get hurt by words. And I'm just like... Oh, of course. Yeah, that I'm explains like, everything. Funny. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I as a visiting comic... I don't want to ruin whatever little few ties that I have there because Philly comics don't really know me. So I didn't know how to go up to them and be like, yo, that was trash. Like, get it together. But so hopefully, Marianne, you can help us come up with like a guide of like how as a comic to let another comic know that their set was trash, but in a nice way. You know, and sometimes there's not a nice way to do it. And I lean back on, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. seriously. And what I do is, is I lean back on my HR training. So like I was HR for, for uh, too long. I, I And I hate yeah. being HR. I much prefer safety. But one of the things that I would do is, is if, if I was going to say something, if it was something I found so grossly offensive like that, right. um, one, I would... If, if it was something I just couldn't not say something, what I would do is I would come up to you and I would say, hey, Dante, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> Probably outside, away from everything. And I'm going to say, you know, <laughs> I really I'm, I'm trying to find a nice way to say this. I, and I'm trying to find a way to say this that isn't, um, doesn't come across painful, you know, mean. This is, And it's hard for me to say this, but I have, I feel that I need to say this. Um I don't know if you noticed during your set that the audience wasn't engaging with you at all, <laughs> at all. And you might want to stop and consider that besides being, it's not just some, it's not edgy when you talk about something about fucking people's children, but when you don't have any kids, but when you talk to somebody like myself who has kids right. and has grandkids and it, it actually incites a rage in me. I don't laugh. It incites a rage in me that I want to actually kill you. When you when nobody's looking, um, you <laughs> might want to. You yeah, I mean like I don't know how they broke their neck when they slipped in the bathroom. When nobody <laughs> they tripped. Clearly they tripped you on. on uh, yeah. Um, you might want to consider that. Like consider uh, and let me. Uh, but I think what I'd probably do is ask you something like, "Hey, I'm just really I'm, I'm I I really need to I really need to ask this, Dante." What was your thought process with when you were writing those? What was your thought process? What were you thinking about when you wrote wrote your material? And because help me under you know, I'm just trying to figure out as somebody who has an, as an audience, I'm just trying to figure out what you were thinking. And then when I listened to them, I right. would let them kind of hang themselves. You know, right. if they're if they're trying to say something about being edgy or something like that, because one of the things is I would maybe even point blank ask, you know, like. Don't take this wrong, but are you are you a pedophile? Right. Are you interested in are you interested? And I'm watching them for any little nuance of, of, right. of a flick of something like, you know, something a tell. And I'm gonna say, 
because we found one of the things that the audience has found over time is that that Cosby, Louis C.K., a lot of these other comics, they've told us what they were really truly doing and what they were about, and people didn't listen. And now people and everything's a joke. And now people are listening. People tell you who they are on stage, and it's not right. really surprising. And so when you talk about something like that, this whole community that because comics is a very small community in our area, they are talking and they're talking amongst themselves. Right. Right. And so I don't know what direction you want to do this getting on stage and and telling something talking because you're not telling jokes what you're saying is not funny right it's a joke right. and, and i'm just trying to figure out what your thought process is and if, if right. you want to continue if you you know and and if you go fuck you i'm funny and you go well uh, clearly you need to record yourself and listen to your audience because nobody is it's straight up crickets right and because it's not that it's offensive it's beyond offensive it's abhorrent to talk about doing something with children right and it talks about there's something severely wrong with somebody who talks about that. Um, and yeah. especially if you try to come across as it's not funny. And I'm really starting to think, do you need to have an intervention here? Because it's, and, and, and I would, I, I'm, I'm kind of brutally honest with people when it comes to that. If I've gotten to the point where it's uncomfortable for me to say something to somebody, mm. but it's more uncomfortable for me not to say something. Right. That's my problem. With the work that I do, I say I have uncomfortable conversations with people all the time. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to be able to be a voice. And that's one of the things as comics that we have in common is that we have a voice and we're not afraid to use it. It's just that our comedy could be used in different in different voices and different stylings. And that's one of those right. things that if I had somebody in my community that I heard telling getting on stage, I, I'm not even gonna say telling jokes, but got on stage and said shit like that, trying yeah. to el elicit a laugh from people, I would literally have to, I would say something because again, I'm a mom and a grandma. Right. And yeah. I would be like, you look at my grandkids and watch how fast I will go backwards on country girl on your ass so fucking fast they will <laughs> never find that body. I'm not playing, right. I know where to hide bodies. Well, what's the, the sad part too is like, Jamal can probably like back this up there are, again, a lot of new, like, open micers who come in and they think that's what comedy is. They're like, I got a joke about pedophilia. I got a joke about cum, quote unquote. I got a joke about whatever. And it's like, okay. no, be yourself because that's where the best comedy comes from. Right, right. right. No one can steal your material. No one can get offended and say you're punching down. No, you yeah. know, it's, but no, everyone just has to chase this thing. And it's like weird. I think that a lot of, and those are the people that I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I started, oh God, when did I start? 2005? Yeah, early 2000s. So I started, I started a while ago. And in, in my time frame, I've seen thousands of open micros come and go. Right. Those are the people when, the people that they either learn how to get funny and find their true voice, or they go, you know, they peter out after about a year or two. There's right. so many of them that, you know, if you don't know how to keep writing, that's one of the things that if I could tell any, you know, like comics, some advice that I would give them, I would say, especially newer comics, never get so comfortable with your material 
and the last that it brings that you're afraid to try new material. Right. And to try new stuff and to constantly build on what you have and write and rewrite what you already have and to take it and make it better. And then, because it's yours, you can make that joke mature over the years and you can change it and keep your punchlines and change your setup or whatever, but you have to have fun and you have to have, you've got to get that laughter. That's how you have fun. Right. You know, if you're telling shit like I, I, I'm man, I'm surprised. Like in Seattle, you start telling pedophilia jokes. That shit don't fly too fucking well. No, right. Some people are talking. Well, it's well in Philadelphia either. Oh, I can't imagine it flies well anywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I just I can't, and so it's it's one of those things. But you know, the consequences is, is that there are consequences to the jokes you tell, and those consequences sometimes is that people just flat ass don't laugh. Right. And from anyway. and from what you said, it sounds like the guy was trying to own the libs. So and, and, and those people generally don't understand comedy anyhow. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. wrap up. It's All past right. My All right. Well, we usually end the show by talking about uh, what have you been watching lately? What have you binge watched? What is the last movie you saw? Um, uh, and, and I, I was going to talk, I, and of course I've forgotten about what I was, gonna, I'll let one of you guys go first. Cause I have to think about what it was I was watching recently and I'm, my brain is blank right now. Jamal, well, what are you watching? Well, I've actually been, uh, watching robot chicken. Yeah. Um, I've yes. been watching a lot of it. I just finished season eight and nine and 10, uh, overnight because, because I, I can't sleep. So it's like, uh. I'll just uh, do that. And then uh, I just finished um, American Dad season uh, nine. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm just on a whole cartoon binge. Uh, and, oh, and I just finished uh, season five of a show that you don't like, uh, Marianne, and it's Bob's Burgers. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's such a funny show. I don't care. It's. It, it it is funny, but every time I watch it, or every time they do a joke that doesn't land, it's uh, it, I always think about Marianne because I know how much she doesn't like the show. But I was watching um, Family Guy, and they did this uh, it was the Simpsons guy episode where they cross over, and um, I think they were jumping off a plane or they were on a plane, and then all of a sudden you see like the character uh, Bob from Bob's Burgers like stick his head out, and uh, and then like. I think either uh, Peter or, or Homer, they're like, what is this guy doing there? He's like, oh, we have to carry him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was kind of like a, 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 a shot at the show. He was like, oh, yeah, we, we, got, we, we got to carry him. He's got to be here or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah that's um, funny. It, it's, it's so funny. But that's the I love that some of these cartoons kind of either take jabs at each other or make jokes about each other. But it, it's so funny. But those are the shows that I've been actually watching. That's awesome. What about you, Dante? What have you been binge watching? Um, I hopped on the White Lotus train. Oh. Bandwagon. And it's like, uh, it's a really good show. I mean, I've always, even as a kid, like I was a teenager watching HBO dramas. I've just always loved HBO dramas. But like the White Lotus, it's, it's so good because it like, it's just about rich white people having ridiculous problems on vacation Mm. but like the way how like the small things that people do like 
have huge impacts later on in the, each season. It's just like it's so well written. It's amazing. Well, I've never even heard of it. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's an HBO show. It's about basically each season there's a resort called the White Lotus. The first one's in Hawaii, the second one's in Sicily. And it's just about like a group of rich white people. They go and then there's just drama and mayhem and chaos. But it's like smart chaos and mayhem. It's right. not just like Jerry Springer. Oh, it's got Jennifer right. Coolidge and John Cryer. Yeah, she's she's she carries Abraham. Jim. Yeah. Good actors. That actor sounds good. Good cast. I I just remembered what it was. I was trying to remember. Um, it was uh, National Treasure the series on Disney Plus. Oh. oh. And uh, the first two episodes were up last week, and then uh, the next new episode comes out tomorrow, on Wednesday. Oh. Sounds so, like an interesting show. It's uh, it's it's, it's so it's uh, not to give anything away. It's about this girl who's dad was a part of a secret society right protecting a a uh a, a vast treasure of the i think it's central and south america kind of variety right and uh so she gets uh she gets what was it um she works at a place oh that's right she works at a at a like a storage unit place and they had a storage unit that was not being paid so they went to go collect and it turned out to be the FBI dude from the movies. Mm-hmm. So oh. uh you see him in at least one episode and then it just kind of goes from there and I don't want to give anything else away because you know I want you guys to see the show. And uh you know I I already told you too much saying that that one uh I can't think of the guy's name who plays him um in a, in a bunch of Tarantino films. Um anyways, yeah. Great show. It's on Disney Plus. Cool. I might check that one out. I've been this week, last weekend. We did from Saturday or from Friday to last night for the full weekend. All we did was, if we were watching TV, it had to be Christmas movies or Christmas themed. So we watched a lot of old Christmas. I mean, some of our favorite Christmas movies, like he watched Miracle on 34th Street, the original one, and the the, the newer one. I watched uh, my favorite, White Christmas, and then we watched, of course, we had to watch a, an episode of Scrooge, and then we had to watch um, uh, This Christmas, which is one of our favorites, our joint favorites. So, I mean, we just enjoyed watching the Christmas movies and kind of having that in, in playing. Oh, and we ended, we ended you guys are going to like this, the last movie of the weekend, the last Christmas movie of the weekend was Die Hard. Nice. <laughs> oh, and I did watch that movie Violent Night. Oh my god, it's awesome. Is it? Yeah, it's essentially it's, it's he is Santa Claus. He's doing his thing and he stops to take a break. He has cookies and whatever, takes a nap in this this person's house and is woken up by uh uh like uh domestic terrorists kind of taking over this guy's mansion and uh and just he just you find out in this version of Santa Claus you find out he was a, originally a viking and that oh. old old habits come back to him 
as he's fighting off these insurgents and shit. It was really, really funny and very violent. It was, yeah, it was it was a good movie to watch. Hmm. Definitely recommend it. Well, we did not, we were going to also watch Lethal Weapon as a Christmas movie, but we couldn't find it on, on any of the services, so. Yeah. Okay. Maybe next, maybe this next weekend. I don't know. So, um, Next week, I think, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's going to be 2000. By the time we all get back together again, it'll be 2023. Yep. Yikes. So. I, I did post a, a link on the Facebook page for people to check out. It gives you a bunch of different movies and what time of the night you start the movie. And it will have uh, whatever the climactic scene in that movie is will be the stroke of midnight. That's crazy. Hmm. We'll I, share that. I usually I usually watch Star Wars and the Death Star explodes at the stroke of midnight. So interesting. Yeah, I have not ever done that. I'm probably not going to do it this year either, only because I'm probably going to have a house full of little people <laughs> around. I got yeah, because I'm old. I don't do. You were like, hey, what, what the hell ever? Ten o'clock, I'm ready for bed. It's, it's midnight somewhere. Woo! It, <laughs> you know, it used to bed. be I'd go out and go do something, have fun with some friends, but I, I just don't want to go anywhere and do anything during during New Year's Eve because it's just too many people. I used to want to go out and do things too, and you know, nowadays I I just want to go crawl into bed and go to sleep. I'm yeah. tired, and yeah. so I tell the younger generation, I'll watch the kids. And y'all go have fun and go play. I mean, I know that my I'd be watching the grand all three of the grandbabies on the first because I bought my son and his wife tickets to go see the Seattle Seahawks play the New York Jets. Ooh. And they're like three rows from the the end zone, so they should they have amazing seats. So awesome. it should be a lot of fun. For them. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. They can go up party the night before and then get up bounce back like young people do and you know <laughs> run and go play like my son's your age so Dante you're like bounce up and go party and then bounce up the next morning and get ready to go and uh, I'm like I'm tired of going to bed hmm. yep I'm that person <laughs> I didn't think I would I never thought I would get here but look at me you know I'm like now I get where my mom never minded watching the kids <laughs> so if I wanted to go out <laughs> Now I now I get it. Yes, I would much rather spend the night with these little people, my my grandbabies that I love and adore, and have fun with them, and then wear their little butts out and put them to bed by nine o'clock so that I'm up until ten going woo. <laughs> you know? So, well, Dante, it was very lovely having you, and I would love to see you again. Please, yeah, please come man. Oh, we'll actually talk about something on a timeline instead. Of- of just comedy but you know well, i think we had a good a good episode we had a good conversation you know yeah we didn't touch any of the timeline but that's fine we had but fun. There are, there's definitely some topics and stuff that you know i would love to talk to you about just so that we can have to me it's nice you know not to to freak you out as you know oh my gosh he's an openly gay comic so now we're going to talk he's our gonna, gay friend there are definitely things that it would be nice to have 
what you know a different voice on you know and it's nice to to be able to have something that like a, a person that we can use as a sounding board because we we definitely are very um i, I don't know I, I wouldn't call us necessarily liberal but we are definitely very very uh very supportive of progressive the is the word you're looking yeah, for i guess i guess so yeah I don't think of it that way. I just, I just look at it as more that you know we're we're people who who feel that we've dealt with, um, we've all in our own situations have dealt with things where we were considered less than, right. you know, and like the minority in a situation, and you know, cousin Todd with his disabilities and me being a hillbilly and and a woman, and you know, so there's things that, and even being in a interracial relationship, I mean, there's times that it's nice to be able to have those different voices that, right. you know, we don't we don't see anything different about us and how we are, and so it seems weird that other people would see different of us yeah. and right. how we are, and so it's it's always nice to be able to have that voice. So that we can talk about, you know, the things that are similarities, and right. how very different, how very different we're not, you know. Yeah. And so maybe there's people out there that'll listen to us that will maybe have, maybe get broaden their horizons a little bit, and yeah. maybe challenge their own beliefs. And I think a lot of times it's having that education and just being able to talk to people in different diversities than than yourself. That you're right. able to question yourself and you're able to take, oh, do I really believe this? Or is this something that society has, I've been brainwashed by society about? Mm -hmm. Is this really how I feel? And you have to, you know, and if you're not constantly questioning, you're not constantly growing. So, mm -hmm. but it was very, it was fun to have you. I mean, it was definitely, I, you know, you have, you're smart and you, <laughs> we always like to have smart people on. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, it was a fun time. I'd love to be back. Well, the, the Skype link doesn't change, so if you ever catch us doing a live stream and you want to jump on, you're more than welcome to. Tuesdays, you are always welcome to come join us, yeah. even if you know if you had like just pop in, and well, you're more than welcome to join us. They're probably recording right about now. I'm gonna hop in and say hi. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just crash oh, this. Oh, yeah. yeah, go for oh, it. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah, I would love that. I love it when people <laughs> pop in. And just start pop in. Hi. <laughs> just yeah, want to say hello. <laughs> different voice so yeah it was definitely a lot of fun even and maybe next time we'll be able to see jamal's shiny face <laughs> i mean let's be fair we don't it always see his right face now. even when his camera's on sometimes we're looking at just his chin sometimes yeah. his eyebrow or his nose, or yeah, his nose. Right. yeah usually about right here uh. <laughs> <laughs> so all right thank you for your time jamal take us out all right. All right, guys. Uh, and that right there uh, concludes our show. Uh, our special thanks to Jessica Vargas. Another special thanks to uh, the very funny Dante Plush. And uh, special thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, as Marianne always says, um, as, hold on, hold on. As Marianne always says, um, manufacture pretty good uh, notions. So, um, <laughs> make good choices. Make good make choices. choices. He's trying I, to be funny. I, I did that last week when you, when, when you were gone and I was like, yeah, I wanted to do it this week. So I wanted to kind of change it up, but yes, make good choices. Um, and as I always say, uh, please remember it is not about you and we are out of here. Remember, 
If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and tell a friend. Thanks for tuning into another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Be sure to check them out on all their social medias at Not About You Pod.